on this episode. You can't tell me that there's not a ton of cops, which I'm not Mr. All the Cops Are Bad Guy at all. No. But there's, I know I've known some tow truck driving people, and I'm not saying all of them are, some of the worst people on the planet. (laughs) The most predatory job like out there. They're literally just surviving on screwing people. That is true because a few times I've had friends get towed, usually female friends, and they're like, I have to get my car towed, but I'm not riding with this guy. Please come pick me up. This tow truck guy scares the hell out of me. I'm like, okay, I'll be there as soon as I can. So I'm telling you, there's yeah. got to be a lot of them that have kickback systems. Not to mention with just with the, I'm joking a about the scam. A criminal tow truck driver makes all the sense in the world. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the sense in the world. everybody and welcome to another episode of no country for middle-aged men i am your host mark pearson and this is my co-host adam radliff adam radliff adam radliff by adam radliff yeah (laughs) (laughs) go buy joe bates's comedy album yes pre-sales were started on the 8th yeah so go get it i think he said the 22nd 22nd. yeah oh was he a guest on here yeah he was on last week and uh that dude knows how to market. Yeah, he does. <laughs> we, like, I've never had been able to memorize a date in my life. I have terrible memory with stuff like that. Yeah. It's singed into my brain. It is. February 22nd. Uh, January is 22nd. <laughs> Apparently not. So, yeah. yeah. So, so was, if you have any dates great. coming up, <laughs> make sure that you uh, you tackle that. Oh, yeah. So, I will clearly fuck it up. Even Joe's phenomenal... <laughs> <laughs> marketing techniques can't penetrate your awful memory. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's still I'm definitely true. donating my brain to science. Yes. Please just like figure out why I can't remember shit. As much as I, I, I'd like to give you shit, I'm, I'm the same way. I think on average, I have to meet someone about seven times before I remember their name. Yeah. I was just asking him. I was like, so I've met his, his girlfriend like twice, two or three times now. Yeah. And we've talked about her a handful of times. Yeah. And I had to be like, it's it's Kate, right? Cat. Cat. Cat, right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. People think you're a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I promise it's not that I'm not yeah. paying attention. I'll remember details of conversations. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Bad with the names. Yeah, it sucks. Look, I'm, Especially I'm not, when you're in sales. It's mm. not good. I'm not the best with names either, but I'm really good with other things like locations. Well, I work. It's yeah. a useless skill now. No, it actually isn't because for my job. I'm working in people's homes all the time. So if like, you know, my boss comes to me, he's like, oh, hey, you remember that job we did? The customer's name was Smith. And I'm like, I have no idea. What's the address? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, tell me the address. They tell me the address. I look it up on my phone. I I see a picture of the outside of the house off of Google Maps. And I go, oh, okay. I remember the people. I don't remember their names. I don't remember the the first name or last names, but I remember everything that went on there. Speaking of names, this week's guest, (laughs) (laughs) Brady Pruitt. Yes. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here. Why did I say thank you for being here? 
Well, you should say that to me. I don't know. Um, I'm only good at. Finally, somebody <laughs> says it. Yeah. Been doing this shit for months. <laughs> Finally, somebody gives me the validation I've been looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just didn't know what to say when you say you're my name. I'm just like, that is I. Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's a good there one. We go. Yeah. No, thanks for coming out. I appreciate it. I pulled it. the, uh, when you go to the movie theater and they say, uh, enjoy the movie. And I go, oh, you too. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. All right. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't the right thing to say. Yeah. I did that the other day when I went, I went to a store and the guy was like, oh, it's HEB. I went to HEB. I was getting stuff to smoke in my smoker. And the guy goes, hey, have a happy, no, not a happy, happy. He goes, hey, have a good day. And I was like, yeah, happy new year. But it was like a week after. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, no. And he's kind of giving me a funny look. But I do that all the time. People say, you know, have a great day. And I'll say something else or, I never do it. I just don't respond. I do it. Well, yeah, you're a stone yeah, wall like, of silence. Yeah, I just give him a little uh, eyebrow nod and yeah. I move on. No, I'm kidding. I'm not, <laughs> not a complete prick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> just talking about socially awkward to the nth degree. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Grady is not just some random stranger that walked in. Uh, oh, lo- he's not? No. Oh, that's Houston comedian, very, very funny. <laughs> uh, we're lucky to have this guy. I thought that was the premise of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> random the dude time, off yeah. the street. Yeah. We had some dude that did pottery once mm-hmm. or art. Um, that was the only yeah, non-comic since I've been doing it, right? No, we had Tamika and that's right. Lenny, artist and local entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, Juan's son. Yeah. Do an episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mostly comics, yeah. 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 Or we'll do like little topics, but we're having comics on to talk about the topics. That that could go either way if you just started grabbing random people from the street. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. can you do my podcast? <laughs> you know? Well, if you ha- get like a really interesting episode, or you could just get someone, you know, you, you just like, oh, this guy's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> I, feel <laughs> you like, know? I feel like that's how Breadman started his comedy career. They just grabbed somebody, grabbed him off the street, and he's like, yeah, I enjoy this. This fits my personality. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen it? His, he's got a podcast that's getting some some traction. No, uh, I'll have to check it out. He DMs called, me about it. So yeah, I think it's called Angry Black Man, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, hung out with him uh, two weekends ago. Dude is loud, loud. and very, very um, hyper. Really? Or like energy? Got a ton mm-hmm. of energy. Like. To where the point where I have super low energy, and I was I was like, dude, <laughs> this, how do you have this much energy this late in the night? This is fucking insanity. Some people do. I, I got to give some props. So he booked me on a New Year's show. Yeah, mm-hmm. on a New Year's show. I was supposed to like headline some show, and then uh, the owner canceled the show because of like COVID concerns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he called me, let me know, and I was like, oh, he's he's like. Uh, but he still Venmoed me my money. Oh, <laughs> he what a guy. still nice. sent me my money. He's like, I, he's like, I know you. He's like, I booked you. He's like, I know you expected this, everything. He's like, I'm still going to Venmo your money. And it's like, we'll get you on a show in the future. I was like, all right. Damn, that's good. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a way to win over to people. not have to fucking do anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year's. The whole reason why I got in this business <laughs> <laughs> was uh, I was like, all right. I'm lazy mm-hmm. and I'm not very smart, which that is a terrible combination. What business can I get into where you can be lazy and kind of dumb and have success? And the answer is comedy. <laughs> if you you're get, funny. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're funny, you, you can, you know, you can carve out a little something for you, you know? Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing it, all told? 
Started in the summer of 2016. So what? I don't. Four, four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four yeah. and a half, almost five years. Yeah, yeah. So that's how long I've been doing it. Yeah, but this last year is a fucking wash. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've done like, you know, what I've done like literally probably ten, probably five percent of the sets and stage time that I was used to getting. Mm-hmm. So it's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so really technically four years, you know what I mean? Right, right. So, yeah. Everyone I talked to, same kind of same kind of thought. This, this year was just a complete waste. But what's weird is, is because, you know, you have to have time to write. And a lot of times if you're doing stage time every day, it's hard to sit down and kind of write stuff out for the, ca- I, I wouldn't say casual, but I, the average comedian. Yeah. And even with all this insane amount of extra time, Every comic I've talked to, other than Chad Alexander, has said they've done less writing during this time than they ever have in their it's life. It's the least I've written exactly since I've been doing stand-up. Yeah. Because, uh, at least for me, I'm writing, I'm commenting on my life. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's about, like, my experiences and stuff like that. So, when you have nine months of almost no experiences, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's nothing to write about. You're doing the same thing over and over and Again, you know what I mean? It's just like there was, it was just this vacuumness, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck is more creative during that time period, you right. know what I mean? But like, now just that stuff has been opening up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now I've got like five new bits, you right. know what I mean? That I'm like trying out and stuff like that, which is more than I had for like seven months, you know what yeah. I mean? I think I had like one, we're like one bit in seven months, which is, an insanely slow pace, right. you know, like, well, yeah, it's, well, it's, encur- it's encouraging that it's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just any comic. Literally everyone I've talked to said the same issue. So at least it's not like you're not getting laughed by people, but cause they're yeah. able to, to do that. That's why I don't, I don't understand how you do that either. It's just, you all, just all, plus also, everything was super depressing all the time. It was just like, this is not something fun to write about. It it's sucked. Just, I didn't want to write Corona material because I was just like, I just know personally, like, after, like, dealing with it for however long, like, and then you go out to a comedy show, the last thing you want to hear is, like, exactly. it's like, God, can we please fucking talk about something yeah. else? It's been, it's, you know, clustered the whole news cycle, right. all your social media. It's like, I, I, I was just like, I'm not going to talk about it. And then also, I, every comic knows you don't know if something's funny until you try it out on stage. So even if you were writing all this other stuff, it's fucking useless until you actually get to do it on stage. Because I mean, as you do it more and more, your instincts become better Mm -hmm. as to like, you can tell what's going to be good and what's not, but you're there's still, it's still a guessing game. You still got to try out in front of an audience and you kind of, you kind of go off of their reaction and stuff like that. So even if you were this madman writing the only thing i think that could have been beneficial is if you try to like write like a pilot like if you got like writing like scripts (laughs) or something like that which i don't even know how the fuck to do that you know what i mean i don't really have any interest in like becoming a writer on a tv show so it's like i i don't I mean, I guess like I guess it would have been smart to start trying to do that, but I did not do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Is like every month that would go by, like, well, I should. I, for me, it wasn't so much comedy stuff. I was like, I should be, I should be doing something to get better at my job, or, or maybe learn a different language, or or do anything other than sit and watch useless YouTube video after YouTube video. And then every month it slipped by, like, well, I didn't do that. And then <laughs> at that at a certain point, it just kind of flowed, and it's like. 
All right, well, that was a year that was a waste. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. You know, it's once in a lifetime. I got a lot of worrying done. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I did that. Spent a lot of time just, you know, contemplating doom. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually the topic we're going to talk about today is the uh, the riots in Washington and <laughs> the general state of America. I hope you're ready for... Uh, yeah, I no. just got back from them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got, got a sweet podium out of great. it. Yeah. <laughs> there was somebody in Dallas that got popped that was there. Was like the news is trickling out. Basically, everyone that was in it is going to get popped. It's like yeah. all these cameras, you're going to get. You're going to get you're, seen you got, sooner or later. Got, which, uh, fuck them. But anyway, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about. Is this the first like major fucking like, uh, protest or rally whatever you want to call it, that's just like purely driven by conspiracy theory <laughs> <laughs> it might be it might be and that's because we've had nine months to watch nothing but youtube yeah, videos exactly. and troll that's on yeah. reddit people were just watching alex jones for months yeah <laughs> yeah well he got kicked off this year we're like or last year you can still find info stuff on infowars well, who's gonna go to Infowars? Lots of people, apparently. <laughs> but even Alex Jones was like coming out against this. Yeah. He was there, right? I, I heard he was there, and he's like, "No, we don't do this." Like he was. I if, be if, surprised if, if Alex he was. Jones is telling you you're going too far, you've gone. Too you've far. gone way, way too, too far. far. Yeah. If yeah. he's a voice of reason, really reassess yourself. Which I have been on record as multiple times saying it sucks that he's gone because I used to like to just go just. Listen to a good rant. Exactly. It's fun. I know this is craziness. I know none of this is true, but it's just entertaining. Uh, Yeah, I liked him too, just as as a, it's funny to listen to someone do that or whatever. And uh, it's like, yeah, you don't take that seriously. (laughs) But it is someone to, it's funny when someone says it's turning the frogs gay. (laughs) You're like, that's that's a great one liner. You know what I mean? That's really, it's a funny thing to say. Yeah. You heard the one, uh, I'll eat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> if we go cannibal, yeah. I'm going after my neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you. yeah. Yeah. I listen to that rant. Yeah. He's just, inter- he's crazy entertaining, but yeah. I guess dangerous. I think that freedom of speech should cover everything at all times. <laughs> and, yeah. And there are there going to be some idiots that fall for stupid stuff? Sure. Yeah. But that shouldn't be the reason to cancel somebody. That's, that's what's more concerning. It's not Alex Jones. It's like, how many people will like take that seriously right. mm-hmm. and like follow them and everything like that? And then you go like, all right, so what do we like censor all idiotic thought? You know exactly. what I mean? You're like, I don't like, but then I, I don't know what, what, this, de- what defines idiotic thought. Exactly. And it's That's like the problem. It's like, oh, well, this is what happens when you cut education funding. Like every yes. single year, it's like 1936. It's like, yeah, dude, this is, this is the results of that. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? You have Alex Jones is a huge phone. You have people fucking charging the Capitol building over like fucking conspiracy theory and like fucking <laughs> awful thought. It's like, I don't know what fucking. This is what you get. This is the society that we built. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. But how do you put that genie back in the bottle? People don't like doing homework. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's gonna be scary to see like the long term consequences of like YouTube, Facebook, Mm -hmm. all these technologies that just suck all of your attention away from uh, traditional like life, like Mm -hmm. interacting with people, friends going out and playing, all this shit. Not to mention all the online pornography. Yeah, we have talked about this briefly. Yeah, we like it's gonna be some fucked up consequences on our psyche or or the kids. Like my like my generation was the last generation to grow up without like easy access to internet 
anything. Yeah, I've read so books more than well, growing up. I read books more than I was on the internet, just because the access nerd. was not there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't because you wanted to. It's just because it, there was no other option. Yeah, yeah. We'll see whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. So, h- how old are y'all? I'm 35. 39. Okay, I'm 25. Okay. No, I just turned 26. Uh, I'm 26 now, and like, so it was my age group. We all started getting cell phones around like middle school, mm-hmm. but it wasn't iPhones. It was like big chunky Nokia, Bricks. like fucking. Where like, you just play Snake? Yeah, like that type <laughs> of shit. And like video games and computers were all thought of as like nighttime activities. Right. You know what I mean? At least like my age group, it was like you get home, then you go outside. And like ride bikes and fuck around with your kid friends and everything yeah. like that and like go whatever vandalize something or whatever <laughs> you get into and then it'd be like then you come home for dinner and then like you play video games or get on the computer at night but it wasn't this all consuming thing right. you know what I mean it's it's kind of like how I, I, I so like I kind of cherish that that I got like right on the crossover mm-hmm. or whatever where I still grew up with like it was all about like meeting up playing outside and all that shit, playing football and, you know, all that stuff. And then, and then like kind of technology was like a nighttime thing or whatever. But Is now, it still like that? You think? Like, I don't have any nieces or nephews that are like that age, like kind of like I think 10 to, to 16 on, or whatever. It depends on the family. Cause like I have two nephews and they're very active, playful kids. So all day they're out playing, you know, with their friends or doing whatever with each other, riding their skateboards or whatever. And then, at the, you know, at the night when it gets dark, they'll go, you know, they'll call me, like, you want to play Minecraft online? Or when we'll go play games online and stuff. And it's more like that. But also, like, their mom and their dad also encourage them to, like, go do things. Mm-hmm. So I've seen other, you know, I know other friends that have kids and they're just like, I want my kid to shut up, just put him in front of the TV. Yeah, I feel like that's dangerous. That's like setting yourself up for failure. But, you know, know, who knows? So you mentioned, you know, only 26. So the year that this guy, uh, or the year I started comedy Mm -hmm. at age 32 or 33, this guy was a year in, a year and a half in, and already winning Funniest Comic in Texas, Mm -hmm. making me feel like a total piece of shit. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he's got... Several years to go before he even reaches the age I started, and he's already got that under his belt. Can you tell, can you tell us kind of like how that went about? Like, so you said you started like 2016, you won 2017, so you're like a year, year and a half in. Like, yeah. What was that like? Let's talk about a quick rise. Um, I I don't like, yeah, like yeah. So I started when I was 21, I guess. Yeah, well, I started when I was 21, and I just uh. I don't know. I would just hit every single open mic. Mm-hmm. Like, I did them all or whatever. And I would just like sit in the back, wait to go up, do my set, leave, go to the next one, everything like that. Um, and I did that. Yeah, I did that for like an entire first year. Like, that's all I ever did. Um, I, I, I was probably like the first four months. I essentially bombed like every single time I went up, like ate it really hard. And then I wrote like one joke that kind of worked, which is the freestyle rapping joke that you mm-hmm. probably heard me do. Like I yeah. still do it sometimes. It still holds up. But like I did, wrote that joke like four months in. That was the first one that like got like a big laugh. And then like it very quickly became, then I wrote my second one, then my third one. Like it, it was like 
four months of brutalness, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of like flipped a little bit. Uh, but the thing about contest is I won that contest at a year and a half in. I think the most dangerous people in a contest are kind of the people who are a year to two, two and a half years in, but are promising. Mm-hmm. I think those are the most dangerous, not someone that's like 10, 15 years in is like a real professional, but because the contest you're doing like a five minute set mm-hmm. or whatever. And if you, if you've been doing it for 10, 15 years, you have probably an hour, two hours of material or whatever. And you're used to doing longer sets, so your bits are more elongated and maybe more storytelling and shit like that. And you're used to doing like long sets where like I had 10 minutes of material. Mm-hmm. I had 10, in the finals, you was 10 to 12 minutes. So in the finals, I did all of my material. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's all I had. But it for the past year, I had just been doing that. Every fucking night at every open mic, I was getting booked on shows. So like every single night, I was just hammering in that same five to ten minutes of material, do 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 every night. So by the time it came contest time, like there was nobody more <laughs> set up than I was. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why, like in a contest, it's not unusual for someone for a year and a half in if they're if they're if they're promising if they got a little something sure. to beat someone that's. 15 years in and clearly a better comedian than them but they don't they're not used to doing a five minute set where my set's just like pow 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 short quick fucking jokes and everything like that where now i make an argument that myself now would lose to a year and a half in me in a contest even though i'm a way better comedian now Mm -hmm. just because my style is fucking completely different you know (laughs) So, like, those contests are set up for a younger comedian to kind of, like, take it. Right. You know? Makes sense. So, Grady, I, I think you, I know you've seen him a handful yeah. of times. So Grady, like, is similar. You and Trey have a lot of similarities in my view, is that y'all both have really, really clever material, but the y'all's way of delivering it is, it's, like, completely unique to you. Like, there's, there's nobody who tells jokes with the same delivery, cadence. It's just... Mm-hmm. Also funny. So it's like you have funny material, funny delivery makes you like insanely funny. So Trey, same way. Like anyone else could, could say his jokes, but they're not saying it like Trey. Right. So I feel like that. How did, did you have that from the beginning? Your delivery was always the same and the jokes just got better or did you develop Uh that as well? Well, it's funny because me and Trey started like right at the same time too and became friends. He, he, he kind of picked it up quicker than i did like he was kind of good like i don't think oh yeah he told us he's like he's like yeah i was quick like he's like yeah i think he said yeah i struggled for like two weeks i'm like what struggle for two weeks (laughs) yeah yeah you son of a bitch yeah Yeah, like i I, like there really was never a period where he was like bombing Mm -hmm. like he kind of like picked it up pretty quick i i like i said i had that four to five month stretch where i bombed like every fucking mic like Mm -hmm. like i remember like even like Certain nights, like Boondocks, would be like super hot. Boondocks used to be like a hot mic. It's really, not, yeah. It it kind of petered off. But like that, that used to be like it would jam packed in there, and it'd be like hot. And I remember like certain nights, like seeing my name coming up on the list, and like oh, I'm about to 
shut this whole crowd down. (laughs) (laughs) Just knowing, like knowing I got nothing to go up there with. And I would, I'd go there and just fucking eat shit and everything. And like the comedy scene used to be a lot meaner too. Really? Yeah, like comics, like like certain comics, like get, and they would get drunk and just heckle all the new comics and Mm. shit like that. And like, Remember after my second open mic, the host goes up and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, yeah, give it up for that guy. Uh, uh, just please cloud us so he doesn't go home and kill himself. <laughs> and he goes, actually, after that said, maybe he should go home and kill himself. <laughs> and I remember I had one con go up right after me, go, uh, yeah, wasn't that last guy the worst comedian you've ever seen? And like the crowd kind of like, cheered. like, it was just shit like that. Damn. Like it was kind of like. It was just, it was a little bit more meaner and shit like that. Mean spirited the scene was, but like. I don't know. I, part of me kind of like thought that was good or whatever because like it, it like it would frustrate you, but at least for me, it also like motivated mm-hmm. me too. Like I'm tired of like being picked on. Right, <laughs> you know what I right. mean? I'm tired of like people say that I suck and shit like that. Like I want to prove them all wrong. Right. You know. Um. But anyway, back to your question about like the style or whatever. I used to be. I'm still not high energy, but I used to be even crazier low energy. Like I, I would be like almost like monotone mm-hmm. and just kind of like saying these words like this and had no inflection to my voice in this weird way trey used to say this too like i i would even in like a rowdy crowd or whatever like everyone would kind of shut up and listen to me mm-hmm. i don't know why it was just this weird kind of just because i was going so against <laughs> trying yeah. to fight through the noise or whatever that people would like listen and kind of be drawn, but then I had no material to back it up. So then I would just start bombing again, and then they'd go back to like fucking talking and shit. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I kind of always had something where like people would listen when I went on stage. Uh, but like a- as I've gotten uh, more experienced, more mature, I don't have that same monotone. I definitely go up there with a little bit more command and presence, especially. Once I started being able to do longer sets, like 20-minute sets to 30- to 40-minute long sets, I realized you can't just have one monotone energy level the whole right. time. The crowd will lose interest. So you got to sure. have... you got to start adding in other performance aspects of it and everything like that and learning how to use your voice and everything like that and, you know, do um, a long story, then have, like, chop fucking real quick jokes and uh-huh. stuff like that. You learn how to, like, build out a longer set to, like, maintain the audience's attention all the way throughout you know so yeah. it's i think my style has evolved a little bit over time yeah so as somebody who's ultra monotone myself so i've been trying to like like play with ranting kind of a okay like a style like it's just going on a rant but i'm just i think it's because i haven't practiced material enough to have it because a lot of my jokes rely on a turn of phrase or a pun or whatever so if I don't have it memorized real sharp, I could fuck up the entire joke by just not saying it in the right order. And then yeah. if I'm doing it like, so if I'm trying to focus on my delivery and I'm fucking up the word, it ends up being counterintuitive. But like you said, like I'm just trying to fight being like monotone. I mean, the joke, I can get a joke that's funny enough. It'll get a laugh, but I feel like I want to be able to catch, grab their attention more or get him rolling with me. Like if you see like Rambo too funny is sets, he'll have yeah. almost just like rolling in laughter. Like it's one after the next, one after the next. Which I don't know if that every comic can do that. Like Norm Macdonald, favorite comic of all time. Even he's not like that. Like he's he gets quite a few jokes or quite a few laughs, but it's not like 
boom, 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 all like belly laughs. It's like a yeah. lot of clever stuff. It's well, there's I think a lot of times people confuse like stage presence with being like loud and obnoxious right. or something like that. Like there's a way to have stage for it. Stage presence is about like commanding the room and like showing uh just exuding confidence and stuff like that. So there's a way to be very confident and subtle, you know, and everything. Yeah, Norm's obviously like that way too. Mm. Norm doesn't even really take the mic out of the mic stand, you right. know? And then like I think of a comic, you know, Shang Wang. Mm-mm. Uh he's um uh he's from Houston, so he comes back and visits here a lot of time, but he's like he had like a Comedy Central half hour. He wrote for like Fresh Off the Boat and like he tours with Ali Wong and everything oh, okay. like that. Okay, yeah, I know yeah. you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah, and he comes back to Houston. He came at Rudd's one time. I saw him at Rudd's. Okay, yeah. He's like a very good comedian, but he's very like toned down. And like I, I used to love to watch the way he would command a room because like the way most comics come up, like they grab the mic and like they stand in the center stage and like the lip of the stage and everything like that. And then he would do the opposite. He would almost go like way off to the side of the stage and back uh-huh. and everything like that, almost like forcing the audience to like come lean into him or whatever. Then he would just start delivering fucking the killer jokes and shit like that. And I'd watch him like turn audiences mm-hmm. and everything like that. But you could tell he is in complete command and complete control without being like this like like overbearing presence right. on stage, you know? So I, I just think it's about like confidence and experience, right. you know, and that can like read on stage. I wonder like, so I've been on a couple of shows here and there, definitely not like a, like a regular like book stuff. Like I wonder if like the experience of going to a bunch of highly like book shows where people are there to see comedy Versus doing a lot of open mics at bars where people are like, oh, wait, they're doing comedy here. Like, do the same jokes translate across all areas? Because what if you go to a bunch of open mics, you try out this joke, and it gets, yeah, it gets a laugh. Not that great. Because nobody's paying attention half the time. Mm. Versus going to uh, like a booked out show where people are there for comedy. and Well, yeah, I mean, like the... Like the easiest room to play in front of is like the sold out room at the improv. Right. Yeah. Like the crowd is there. They're fucking hot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, do, you know, doing a set at Dan Electro's, that's difficult. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the open mic or whatever. But with that being said, I think you can pick up bad habits at an open mic that don't translate as well to like good, like, paying co- comedy audience shows mm-hmm. such as asking a question before like every set because yeah sometimes you are fighting for a question so mm-hmm. who, who here smokes weed you yeah. know who here's drinking oh you guys a couple are just fucking like you just gotta like ask all these questions before every just to, like try to be like we're still listening you're yeah. still here which like if you're at a comedy club it's like the fuck is this guy asking a question every goddamn right 45 <laughs> seconds so it's that and then also yeah the being uh loud for no reason because you're used to fighting over like bar chatter right or people watching the texans game so you're just like 
fucking just yell. I was at the mall, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck is this guy yelling? He's not at the fucking mall? Like, yeah. at volume 10, you know? Like, what is that, you know? <laughs> so, like, yeah, you, you can pick up bad habits for sure mm-hmm. doing open mics. But overall, in general, just the material in terms of, like, the response that you're going to get, it, it it's going to be better at the well-paid audiences, you mm. know? I mean, there is a little bit more of a... um uh like pressure just because they're like this is a paid show it's at a club especially say if you if it's at the improv it's like hey we like we got a fucking babysitter we're paying you know the drinks are fucking 72 dollars for a bud light you know yeah. what i mean so it's like <laughs> yeah. so it's like there is like a thing you know what i mean but especially if you're like me like I, i'm either the host or feature so the pressure's not on me right, <laughs> you know right. what i mean the headline is really the one that has to like fucking the pressure's on them, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. Uh, if you're hosting or featuring, you kind of just get to fucking reap all the benefits, you know? Mm-hmm. This is great. I don't know if you guys can tell, uh, but I do work at a sandwich shop. <laughs> and, uh, so I do. No, it's not that great. Uh, my boss got mad at me the other day. He sat me down. He goes, goes Grady, we at upper management have been talking. I was like, oh boy, upper management. That's that's a real fancy way of saying you and Daryl. <laughs> what was this meeting of the big wigs that you guys had next to the ice cream machine? He's like, well, we we here at upper management just feel like you lack motivation. I was like, yep, I gotta... I gotta agree with you there. So, like, what do you think is, like, the next step, like, comedy-wise? So when things do get back going and... and you start booking shows. Are you touring? Doing like out? I know you've done stuff here and there outside of. Like- I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I I try to do as many different comedy clubs as I can. The problem is, it's hard to fucking get into them. Right. You know what I mean? Now, essentially, you pretty much need like a headliner to like fucking take you into a comedy club, it, unless if it's like the comedy club in your own city. You know what I mean? Like, what am I gonna drive out to the Oklahoma City Looney Bin to do an open mic? You know what I mean? It's just like. And you can try, I mean, I've tried emailing them and shit like that, but like, they're not looking for, fu- they're not like, God, I need a new feature act. Yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, they're not really looking, you know, they're like, I got my fucking 50 guys that mm-hmm. I go to or whatever, even less than that. Probably, I got my 30 guys that I go to or whatever. They're not really looking. So it's like, it's kind of hard to like break into like some of those clubs. I'm trying to. And uh, I was supposed to go do the Looney Bin this past weekend, but. Uh, some fucking car issues. <laughs> I wasn't oh, yeah. able to do it. He had some car issues. Yeah, um, get to change the brake pads, oil. No, I, oh yeah, it's just I, I got it stolen. My car got <laughs> fucking stolen out of uh yeah. I went to a par a New Year's party, and then went out to my car, and it was stolen. Uh, well, I, I first thought I got towed or whatever. Right, I, I thought mean. I got towed, and then but then I called the owner of the venue and he was like 
no, like, we don't tow cars out of there and everything like that. Like no one's no one's supposed to tow out of there and everything uh-huh. like that. Like there, there's you know what I mean. So then, like I reported it as stolen, and then uh, and then uh, uh, a couple of days later, HPD called me. Like, we found your car. They so, found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's in, like an abandoned parking lot or whatever. Uh, I later found out. Uh, I think someone tried to steal it, but realized like I have a deal. I have a breathalyzer in my car. So, like, this, is, <laughs> this is a useless. The one time. <laughs> like we can't do anything with this. They're like, literally, a breathalyzer. It takes a photo of you every time you. T- it's the worst commodity you can have for a stolen car. Is a device that takes a photo of you, then sends it to a database. <laughs> the last thing you want out of a breathalyzer. That's like all the the, I mean, the criminal Darwin awards. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, only time like a DUI is gonna fucking benefit you. Yeah. <laughs> so is it car all messed up or anything? You get it back? No, I got, I got it back. I got it back fine. Uh, cool. I later found out because I got security cam footage. It's like. And there's like a rogue tow truck driver that's like trying to steal cars because there's a tow driver that was not supposed to be there at all. You know what I mean? And he went and took it. And I think he was probably going to try to like chop it for parts <laughs> or whatever and everything like that. Realized that there was a breathalyzer in there and everything. And I just left it at a different fucking parking lot. That's, that's good. You got lucky. it back. One of my buddies probably 15. Yeah, 15 years ago, he had just gotten a new car. And he was like, it was his first like new car he ever had. He was super excited about it. Two, three months into it, he like gets up in the morning and his car's gone. So they calls the police. Hey, my car's been stolen. And so then three or four days later, the police call him. They're like, hey, we need you to come pick up your car. We found it. He goes, okay, where's it at? I'm like, oh, it's out here in like this, you know, really bad part of town. So he goes, drive, his buddy drives him out there. And he said he pulls up and okay, we need you to get your car to take it. It was full of bullet holes. The floor pans had blood in the back seat. And he goes, What happened? He goes, well, We found we we had gotten a high speed chase and we shot the people, you know, that were in there. They're they're dead, you know. And so we just need you to take your car. He goes, This is the cops telling yeah, this? The cops telling this. He goes, I'm not taking this. He goes, Isn't this evidence? And they go, No, no, you can take it. They're not going to pay to fix it? <laughs> and so he didn't take it because he was like, are you trying to like cover up something? Like, what are you trying to do? So he refused to take it. So they said, well, we're going to fine you if you don't take it out of the impact lot. He was like, no. So he went and got a lawyer and everything. He didn't take the car. Come to find out the officers that had been involved in the shooting had had several other shootings where they were pretty aggressive with people. So they... He, him, and the attorney figured that they were trying to like cover up something that they shouldn't have been doing. So he just never got the car back. And that's how the story ends. That's how the story ends. <laughs> so he lost a car. Yeah, took no cops down. Right. He Sounds like a settlement he... or anything like that. Uh, no. <laughs> Sounds like he kind of fucked that up. I kind of in that so, scenario, I would have wanted I'd always, at least to have always the car. Re- I'll always remember the look on his face. He was like pale, still pale. He's like the back was just full of blood. I was like, oh my god, that is kind of fucked up. Like you think there would be some kind of insurance for that? I guess if you don't have insurance on your car, right. you're fucked. Right. But what's my only story of anything getting stolen um, that I can think of? I'm sure I've had stuff stolen. I don't even realize it. But when I was in college. I had somebody break into my car uh, for, for randomly. I guess I, I think I left it unlocked, mm-hmm. and they stole some old golf clubs, uh, cologne, and uh, like some CDs. Which back when I had CDs, yeah, 
And I, you know, made a police report. Thought I would never. It's like, they came out like, yeah, we're never gonna get your shit. All right, later. So uh, like six months later, I get a call, and it's the cops. So I say, hey, um, we think we might have found your golf clubs and your cologne and all this. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> like, yeah, do you have a blue bag? I was like, yeah. Uh, he's like, could you kind of describe it? I was like, yeah, there's just tear on the side. Da 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 da. It's these kind of clubs. Uh, it's a good thing whenever I made the report, I didn't lie and say, oh, I had these awesome clubs. Not that I would have gotten any money for it. Right. And yeah, they found it. Gave it back to me. Cologne, golf clubs, got him back. What? They said that this guy had been going around stealing from people. His entire apartment was full of stolen shit. Oh. So whenever they caught him, they caught him randomly. Yeah. And whenever they caught him, they just started like, putting it in the evidence uh, room and cross-referencing people who had stolen shit. So thanks, Sam Marcus PD. Fuck you for all the other stuff we're not going to talk about. Yeah. But thank you for getting my golf clubs back. Yeah, I uh, when the HPD called because I, I had the same. I was like, I'm never going to fucking see that car again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and part of me was kind of happy. I was like, I'd just rather take the settlement check. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather just have a settlement check and just get a fucking new car or something like that because the car is pretty beat up. You know, yeah. and. You know, just not running great. So then, like, part of me when they found the car, I was like, God, yeah, <laughs> like, I paid that guy to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> but so they called me, like, all right, we found it. This, you know, here, here's like the cross streets or whatever. I'm like, all right, like. So you had to go pick it up by yourself. So I was like, my, I was like, my roommate's coming. Like, I'm on my way, and they're like, nah, they're like, oh, uh, they're like, yeah, we got to tow it. I'm like, why? And, and and they're like ah oh, like we're, we're busy we can't we can't wait around here for you again I'm like you leave like yeah, yeah. what are the odds of getting stolen again you know what I mean like you've already told me where the car is I'm on my way you've done your job and they're like no we're gonna have to tow it I'm like you're so you adding to in the tow part yeah you're, don't do that part or I had to pay two hundred sixty dollars to get my fucking stolen car back that's you know horseshit I mean? ridiculous I was like maybe what? that's the racket. I was like, why? Maybe the cops are in on it with a tow truck guy. Like, oh, yeah. Well, you, Maybe, you, all you have to do is move it. Why are you stealing it? Yeah. I mean, I said, why are you towing it? Why? Yeah. That, that That's seem part to be of part the of scam. It. I was so frustrated. You know when I asked a cop, like a cop buddy, if you know any cops, like, is that a thing? Yeah. Because that kind of makes logical sense. They can't sit around and wait for it. But if you're telling them, that's fine, leave it, I'll yeah. come get it. And they're still like, no, it has to get towed. Maybe they got some kind of kickback system with a tow truck guy. Like, look. You take this car, you put it in the spot, we'll let it sit for a couple of days, and then we'll tell this guy to come pick it up, but we got to take it to the tow truck. Because that's 260 bucks. You're like, look, you're not doing anything tonight. You got a slow night. All you got to do is move this car a couple blocks. You'll get 130 bucks. I'll get 130 bucks. It's so frustrating. It was so oh, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. That is, that's infuriating. Yeah. They make, they make it get towed. Yeah, it's, and then it's also like, um, uh, you, you know, you call up the tow yard and you're like, yeah, uh, you know, you, you better get here soon because uh, every night it stays here. You know, it's an yep. extra fifty dollars. You're like, great. Now, my stolen car is building up interest against me. That's <laughs> yeah, good. That's so good. Stupid. But wait, if it where is it? Where was it parked at to cost you extra fifty bucks? That's the was it just parked on the street or no? no like, to, no, like to stay in the impound tow oh, yard. Okay, I thought. Okay, I thought yeah. you meant to like. Okay, never mind. No, yeah, you can't like, tell me that there's not a ton of cops. Which I'm not Mr. All the Cops Are Bad Guy at all. No. But there's, I know I've known some tow truck driving people, and I'm not saying all of them are, some of the worst people on the planet. <laughs> the most predatory job like out there. 
They're literally just surviving on screwing people. That is true because a few times I've had friends get towed, usually female friends, and they're like, I have to get my car towed, but I'm not riding with this guy. Please come pick me up. This tow truck guy scares the hell out of me. I'm like, okay, I'll be there as soon as I can. So I'm telling you, there's yeah. got to be a lot of them that have kickback systems. Not to mention with just with the I'm joking a about the rogue scam. Criminal tow truck driver makes all the sense in the world. To yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, it's all th- think, think about-, about this. Your job is to be a fucking nuisance. Like yeah, yes. that's your whole job is just fuck with people. But you're you're too much of a pussy to be a cop. So you're like, this is what I'm gonna yeah, do exactly. instead. Is just be a fucking tow truck. Think, think about what if you what if you had a kid, like a little kid, and like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like a tow truck driver. You're like, what the fuck? What, what happened to this You put kid? that kid up for adoption immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. What, so was sanitation truck driver taken? Yeah. yeah. That's an honest job. Sanitation truck? Come on. Garbage man, we need him. But no. <laughs> oh, that's way more honorable. Yeah. No, I was talking about more. like the shit truck. Uh, well, yeah, you guys, <laughs> some people got to you know, vacuum out some shit. But um, think about it. If you are this rogue, touch, I don't even say the rogue, there could be a whole company's doing this shit. Yeah. Think about it. If, they, if somebody reports it stolen in real quick and a cop catches them, like, oh, well, they were on this different line, so I was just towing them like I normally do. Right. How yeah. are you going to catch them? Yeah. Because yeah. they can just be like, oh, I, I fucked up. Sorry. It's a yeah. perfect racket. It is. We need to get to the bottom. We need to fucking bust this ring. If nothing else, we've... Just I like, mean, I got security cam footage, but it's so blurry, you can't fucking make out. That's... You can't make out, like, the, the writing on their side of their... You can't make out a license plate number, like... You, know, you just see a blur. That's yeah. what the cops told you. <laughs> that is from the venue. Yeah. There's got to be some fucking cameras around Houston. But no, like... I am really down on the utility of the police as of recently. Because I had an incident uh, earlier, well, last year, where I had, you know, got caught, got in, like, in contact with the cops, and they literally were absolutely useless. And this is me going to them, I'm like, hey, this is, might be an issue, da 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 Like, yeah, nothing we can do about that. I'm like... Like, yeah, we can't do anything unless um, something happens to you. Then we can do something. Okay, so I, once I'm dead, you can come help help out. Appreciate it. Basically. I was, like, super uh, disillusioned. I was like, the fuck are we, what are we paying you guys to do here? Yeah. So they're a deterrent because they're out there, and they can stop an active crime, or they could find out my shit that was stolen and give it back to me. Same with you. But there's so many things that they're just like, nah, we can't do anything about that. Which is frustrating. Very frustrating. So I'm glad that you went into being a comedian, not a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have any backup, like a uh, career path that you were wanting to take? Mm, man, like I said, the not being particularly smart and lazy is a real recipe to be a failure in life. <laughs> it's not a whole lot of things. Honestly, the, uh, the other thing that I looked at that I thought, like, I think I could really do as a career would be like a driver of some sort but now the dui fucked that up you know what i mean so i can't like i was like oh yeah i bet i could be like a ups driver or fedex or like be like an 18 wheeler driver like i was like that's just a job that i feel like i i just i, I like the idea that you don't really have to deal with people that much and like i like driving you know mm-hmm. put it on the podcast whatever no i can't I can't fucking do that either so like <laughs> i don't i don't know what like you could be a firefighter i mean like first off I'm. Ju- I asked this question just wondering. Yeah, you, you got to stick to comedy and give that like the, the l- longest look you can think of. 
That's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan. <laughs> I was just wondering. It's the first thing uh, in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm fucking good at this. <laughs> it's the first <laughs> thing where it like, all kind of clicked in where I was like, oh, I think I could do this. I, I think it'd be irresponsible of me not to try to make a career out of it right. at this point. <laughs> For sure. I agree. Uh, so what was so you started at 21. What got you in, like thinking about doing it? Um, it's weird. I actually didn't grow up watching a ton of stand up. Like all, all I knew, I knew the huge guys. Like I knew mm-hmm. Chappelle, I knew Dane Cook, and I knew like the blue collar comedy guys. And that's mm-hmm. and Cat Williams. Those are essentially <laughs> the only comedy that I really had kind of. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it all. I liked all that stuff. Uh, but I didn't. I just wasn't familiar with it beyond that or whatever it wasn't until netflix got netflix got popular my senior year of high school and then like obviously into like my freshman year of college whatever and then that's when like netflix but i I just consumed like i think i think so bill burr had like three specials on there it was like why do i do this let it go and you people are all the same and i think louis ck had like hilarious chewed up in live from the beacon theater and i watched those six specials like just on a loop like i watched them like i probably watched each one of those specials like 15 times (laughs) like i just watched (laughs) those six i just thought it was the funniest fucking thing ever you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i just consumed that and then i then i think there was a couple other ones on there that i like uh I think Tom Segura had like completely normal. Mm-hmm. Then there was like a couple other ones, but it was really like those six, like Burr and Louie. And then uh, I started listening to like Burr's podcast, I guess when I was like 19 or something like that. And then uh, through that, I just kind of discovered all these other guys like Patrice O'Neill and like Dave Attell and all this other stuff. And I, it was just like a whole world then. And I was like, oh shit, there's all these guys. There's Doug Stanhope and there's all this like fucking comedy out there that I never heard of. And then uh, then you kind of had like that next generation of like Hannibal Burris and John Mulaney. And, like you learned about all those guys, you mm-hmm. know? And then, yes. Yeah, so and then, so, so for about two years, I just consumed stand up and comedy podcast like religiously uh-huh. became like a super fan and then i was just like i really want to fucking try this like i really want to do it and then uh yeah yeah just fucking did it like immediately fell in love with it like immediately was like oh that's what i'm doing now mm-hmm. i was bad at it but like i just like i did my first open mic and the next night i did like two open mics and then it was just like off to the right you know what i right. mean like mm-hmm. i just did not stop Still haven't stopped, <laughs> you right. know. Um, yeah, that that was pretty much it. It was mainly consuming Burr and CK more than anything. That's really interesting. So you and Grady had like very similar, not you and Grady, you and Trey, <laughs> very similar like answers. He and maybe that's a factor, like because you guys are, in my opinion, like top five Houston comics. And the similarities and a lot of what y'all have said is like eerie. It's like, and maybe that's the formula. I'm not saying there is a formula. You have to be super talented and unique and funny and do all this work. But more than any other field that we've had on, I think you talked about it a little bit too, mm-hmm. is like studying comedy. So like for me, like I'll, I'll watch the occasional 
upset here and there. I used to be really into comedy when I was younger. That's I, I wanted to do stand up when I was really young. Then with mm-hmm. this like decades of not caring, like I liked it still. I just, you know, I was like, I'm it's not practical. I'm gonna go do business, whatever. Um, and then got back into it in my thirties. But people maybe it is having that like religious like or that business like studying these sets, watching them over and over, picking up on stuff. Cause I'll watch a set other than Killing Him Softly by Dave Chappelle. That is like the only comedy special that I've watched like 10 times and it's hysterical, but you talk to you or Trey and like, yeah, I watched this over and over again. I couldn't get enough of this. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that's part of it is that, that, willingness to sit down and watch these things were you watching them just like as a casual fan like this is just funny or were you watching it like trying to pick up like oh did he this is how he constructed this joke i mean initially it was just as like a fan and i just loved it and just wanted to continue to watch it again and again again and then later on it became much more of like how's he doing this (laughs) you know what i mean it became definitely more of like an analytical viewing and stuff like that and there and there's still um obviously you never want to sound like another comedian but there's there's definitely things that i pick up on from both louis and bill burr that like i i try to utilize in my own set for sure like i don't think one thing i don't think people realize is how big other comedians are like even comedians that you think are like subtle or whatever like if you go watch go watch like a bill burr special or something like that He's physically acting out every single one of his jokes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's doing hand motions. Like he's, you know what I mean? He's moving. Like he's, he is, there's a lot of performance to it that I think kind of goes unnoticed or whatever. Like you think of like physical comedians and you just, well, I can't, whatever, like Cat Williams or something like that or, so, you know, but it's like, no, like even those guys, even like Hannibal, who's mm-hmm. known for being like super, if you look at that, he's, way bigger than you think and stuff like that uh-huh. so it's stuff like that that you kind of pick up on and like i think louis uses his voice really fucking well and i definitely kind of like will take a little bit of shit like that and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. nice so when i you talk about big like the person who i think of instantly is brian regan that dude yeah. is like but that's not no not everyone's gonna be like that that guy's yeah. just like a clown, like so animated and so hilarious with the way he moves. But that's like one out of every you know thousand people can do that. Or yeah, which I just think there's certain like you you can just add in certain gestures with your hand and certain little physical movements that take laughs and jokes to the next level. Right, and you don't have to. You know what I mean? You don't have to. You don't have to fall on the ground or fucking write the mac, mic cord around your head. You don't have to. It doesn't have to right. be like this crazy fucking thing. But if you just mimic eating or something like yeah. that, like it's just these weird things that like take your set to the next level. Uh-huh. You know uh, that I noticed Burr and stuff like that would oh, yeah. do. And like even Norm again, like you said, kind of with Hannibal, not known for moving around. Like they usually just had the mic <laughs> yeah. in the stand or. Just, just staying in the same spot. But if you think about some of the best Norm jokes, like the one he did on Letterman, that, that World War II bit, or he's like doing like this, uh, that Hitler Spike actor. It, exactly. It, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, that's where the biggest laugh is too. And yeah. Like, and yeah, that's definitely something to that for sure. So do you consciously think about that? Or is that just something that you're kind of observing 
are you consciously trying to put stuff like that in your set? Because that's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's what sets you, Trey, apart from other people is that it's intentional. It's like thought out. Like you're sitting out. All right. Well, here's the joke. The jokes come first. You got to have the joke. And then like adding those extra layers of funny that makes it the joke like bulletproof or as close to it as it can be. Yeah, that that comes like later. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't, when I first do a bit, I don't think about like how do I add it, but it becomes like once the bit becomes like grown and developed and like solid, and then that's when you start adding in these extra fucking right. touches and stuff like that. At least for me, that, yeah, that, that, that's what I do. Um, and there's just certain things that I think kind of goes overlooked in comedy where like just word choice and like being specific and stuff like that. You can get like a whole bunch of extra laughs. Like there's like, I, I have like three or four different jokes where I use the name as a punchline, <laughs> you know, like the pot belly joke. When I go, that's a real fancy way of saying you and Daryl, like Daryl. It's a very, it's a, like, I, I chose that name for a reason. You know mm. what I mean? I think there's just little things in there where, like, you you can really get extra laughs. You know what I mean? If you just take just a little extra second to go, like, what? How how do I make this funnier? You yeah. know what I mean? Like the is it Samantha in the yeah the garage like the college? Yeah. College? Oh yeah. And that's one of my favorite lines of that entire joke is that oh shit yeah. garage can't contain <laughs> Samantha like, yeah or something like that. I was like that's just the way you say it is just hilarious. Yeah, it's. But. Yeah, it's it's all intentional. Is that based on a true story? <laughs> that is a true story. <laughs> I actually, I, I actually had to tone that story down for the stage. There's like more. Oh of yeah, this? it's even more weird. I, I actually that happened to me like very early on in a stand up. Like that, I, I that happened like a couple of months in. I was at that show, and I remember trying to do it on stage when I was like a couple of months in. And I would just lose the audience so quickly. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? You know. <laughs> um. I guess I should say for the listeners a story where I, I, I do a bit on stage. I'm not going to do the bit, but I'll, the gist of the story is this girl essentially peed for her performance. Right. That's what she did. She peed mm. or whatever. But that did happen. The extra details that I omitted, because it just gets, this gets so fucking bizarre, is I say it's all young hipster kids. Uh-huh. That was true, except for there was three old men in their 50s in beanbag chairs <laughs> in the back of the garage. Yeah, that might take That's, a different tone. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. But when I add that to the bit, people yeah. think I'm fucking with them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like... I mean, I, it, uh, you know, I could see that for sure. Yeah, because they think you're going to go with some kind of a pedophile angle or some creep angle, and like, no, there's just there's way more to this story that's more interesting and yeah. unique. Yeah, and the, so t- talking about like kind of the acting out kind of a thing with that same joke, and, and at the end of it, so one thing that you do, you have that joke, and you have another joke that I'll, I'll talk about here in a second that you you do stuff that's kind of skating on a line that not a lot of people are willing to touch on. Because even though you're joking in in the the Samantha P. Oh, you're joke, talking about the big punchline at the end? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Which is people, hysterical. Thank you. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I do that joke. I've done it in like super liberal, like hipstery, woke audiences. 
and it kills. Uh-huh. And I've done that uh, in like redneck, fucking clearly Trump country uh-huh. and stuff like that, and it kills there too. I just found that the audience, they laugh for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they laugh for different reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could tell you from my perspective what it is, is uh, I was, I'm, I'm a liberal person, but being uncomfortable with a certain level of wokeness that I don't really quite understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and then it's just it's my way to cut through that and just say that. You know yeah. what I mean? Is right. what the intention of the bit behind it? Some people get it. Conservative audiences, they'll kind of laugh at it more, like fucking, fucking right. You know what I mean? And then uh, I think some of the woke audiences are like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Some of it's yeah. a little ridiculous. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's like I wish more people would be willing to toe up against that line, but that, some people I think are afraid. It's just audiences are so sensitive that they hear anything politically related and they're like, like shut down and freak out. But as long as the joke's funny enough, obviously, like you said, it works in liberal rooms, oh, yeah. works in what you consider conservative rooms. As long as the joke's funny enough. Yeah, yeah, and I I kind of like that joke because. I think a lot of the audience, or some of the audience, might they yeah they, they might not really quite know what the hell where I'm coming from. You right. know what I mean? But yeah, if, if it's funny, I think it could cut through a lot of the bullshit. You know. So did the two genders part, like where you do that kind of like an act? act oh yeah, that, yeah. Was that a part of the original joke, or did that come later? That was a tag that I wrote later on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember how exactly that came up. I think, but yeah, that that, that was just a tag. I think I think I might have just riffed that one night. Right. Oddly enough, that's how a lot of tags come by. Is like you just do a bit so many times, mm-hmm. you know, that your brain once you do a bit, I don't know, whatever, fifty times or something like that, your brain almost once you're doing it, it kind of just unlocks its extra gear and it starts like. <laughs> kind of taking over on its own or whatever mm-hmm. you know and like i just did a joke my uh you heard my spider bit about like a spider yeah, in a car, it's whatever. His car now or yeah i did it and i fuck i riffed this line the other night that like murdered or whatever i was like holy shit i gotta fucking i've done that bit like a hundred times i just I got this new killer line mm-hmm. out of it or whatever that I just completely riffed on the spot in the moment you know nice. which is like it, it's like it's like the best feeling in the world, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yes, some fucking new life in this thing, you know? Nice. I did. After Harvey, like, I felt like I felt the need to give back. I wanted to give back. I wanted to donate money. But I was nervous on who I donated to. I didn't want to give the Red Cross because, like, only 10% actually goes to relief. Yeah. So what I decided to do, which I think this is good, I gave $200 to the city of Houston directly uh, by getting my car towed. And, uh, yeah. It does. It feels good to give, to know you're doing the right thing. It's great. No, I'm not... I love you guys. I'm not smart. That's what this boils down. I... It just hit me one day. I was like, I don't think I got it. I don't, this isn't working out for me. It's awful. Because I, I, I had, you know, clues. 
growing up, like, with teachers and stuff. My, my parents had faith. They thought, like, it was ADD. Like, one time I brought, we got brought in, like, a parent-teacher conference. Like, doesn't he like medicine? I'm like, yeah, that's not the issue. Right? It, it was, I don't know. I, I think I'm dumb. That is, like, until I meet somebody that's, like, real stupid. And then I'm like, oh, I'm killing it. Like, I'm doing great. I mean, you ever get a conversation with somebody and then just like 10 seconds you're like, this is a mistake. I should have known not to do this. Like I was talking to this dude and he's around my age and I asked him what he did for a living. He's like, me? I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, why'd you say it that way? I was like, well, what sort of business do you plan on starting up? And he was like, like, I stumped him. Like, one question in, he didn't have a fucking response. I was like, that sounds promising. I think you're going to make it. So, yeah, the, that's awesome. So, yeah, the other joke that uh, I, I think you mentioned the first time you had tried it, like, uh, in conversation at some point, or maybe when you were on, uh, um, Maybe on, I don't think it was on stage. I think it was just kind of a group of people talking. And I think I was at that first time that you did it, uh, which was at Secret Group, where you did that Lizzo joke. Oh, that yeah. was hysterical. Like, the audience, the, the time I... Because I think when you're telling a story, you're like, yeah, some people didn't, didn't get that joke when I first started doing it. But I was like, the first time I saw it, the crowd yeah. was loving it. They were, like, hysterical. Yeah, that... Yeah. And it felt like you were just kind of riffing it. Like, off, like you were just kind of... Rolling with the punch, it like might, rolling with the yeah. Crowd. That might have been one of the first times that I had done it. Yeah, because that was a part. It was a part of the ugly people yes, bit, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, and yeah, that bit. That 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 was probably the bit that I had the most problems with mm-hmm. of like getting it to work. Like that bit is is one of the only few bits that I had where like when it would it would bomb frequently. And when it bombed, the crowd hated me. <laughs> they fucking, it's different when a crowd bits, when a bit bombs, and then they just don't think it's funny. Yeah. But this one, they would, it would bomb. They're like, you're not funny, and you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> you know? but I, and like, it took, and it, it, I had like some just, like where it would, it would bomb, and then I, it would bomb so hard, I couldn't even get a set back. Mm-hmm. I like, I, and then I would hit... I would try to save it by throwing out like what I would consider my most foolproof this shit works all the time jokes and then those would eat it too. Oh. Like I was like this is un and I, I, I would just tank a set, you know what I mean? And you do that I mean, you do that like 7 times which doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, that's 7 times where your set just went straight into the fucking toilet. Because of one bit. Right. And you're like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't do that anymore. But, like, I had enough you comics. You got to keep doing that joke. I had enough comics just come to me like, yo, what? are you going to do that? You know that ugly people bit again? You know yeah. that Lizzo? And I was like, dude, they hate it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm positive I, the night, the first time I saw you, I was like, that was fucking hilarious. And it, uh, and I would get heckled in it. It was one of the few bits where I get, like, fucking heckled at and shit like that. And I, you know, some comics are the like, yeah, like fuck the audience. They can all walk out, and you know, like I don't care about their. 
you know, I don't look at comedy that way. I look at comedy like I want the audience to laugh and enjoy themselves. And when they do get pissed off and hate me, that's not, I don't thrive off of that. Right. I, I feel bad. You know what mm. I mean? And then like, I was getting the audiences to fucking hate me, but I, 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 I later figured I just had to tweak a couple of little bit of things to make it less hard. I, I did just, I had to bring it down 15% harshness. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was just a couple of turns of phrases and then I could get the audience on board with me. Right. And now it, now the bit usually does very well. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. Glad, I'm glad you stuck it out. And that's like you said, seven didn't seem like a ton. But whenever you're getting your teeth kicked in, where like, well, for you, like you said, you have stuff in the bag that like this works all the time. Yeah, and if it's dragging that down, I can imagine that that's got to be like, why am I still doing this? Yeah, the fact that you were able to to, to fix it and keep it is like, because people who are there to laugh, people are there to not get offended. Because I can only imagine the only reason that joke would not do well is people who are there looking to get offended or somebody who relates too much. To Lizzo in general, like there's like oh don't it say would, it was always a white woman that would get angry at it. At you could say, that, at, you at, could say at, that about any joke. At least that was the <laughs> ones that, that that's where I would get heckled by, and everything like that. And then I don't know when you bring up ugly people. I think a lot of people are insecure about their looks, and you think you're talking about them, right. or and I have a thing about children, and then they think oh they're calling like my children ugly and everything <laughs> like that. It becomes a whole thing. I did a couple things to to tone it down a little bit. Is I open up by saying I love Lizzo. Mm-hmm. That really, once you say you love someone, and I do like Lizzo. I I, fuck, I jam her music all the fucking time. You know what I mean? Maybe you name five songs real quick. Yeah, no, <laughs> but um, uh, I, some of the shit is just goofy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking goofy. So then I was, once I established that I love Lizzo, and then I could kind of go into like, but how about that shit? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then people were much more willing. And then, and the other people think, I think I have a line where like, I come from an older generation of ugly. <laughs> so it's like, I'm talking about myself and i i have a weird relationship with these other ugly people (laughs) you know what i mean and i was able to and then i i cut down a lot of the things um i used to talking about ugly children in a middle school i used to go deeper into that Mm -hmm. and i would really start to lose people so i cut that i cut i made that shorter Mm -hmm. and stuff like that was just a couple of those little adjustments i had to make Cause I, I'm just not. I think once you're famous, you can explore topics a lot more deeply because people already like you, so they're willing to go further with you on certain ideas. But if you're an unknown person like we are, mm-hmm. you're go, you're in front of strangers every single night. I think it's some of them are kind of like, who the fuck is this asshole? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't so, know where your heart's at. Yeah. So it was just a couple little turns of phrases I had to do to like make that bit palpable to an audience because i i do i i love that bit i think it's an original bit i think it's kind of something that hasn't really been explored before it's edgy enough to be interesting and unique too. yeah that's another factor it's just like it's not just some safe joke like you're actually yeah. saying something that's interesting and it's it's yeah 
it's provocative and it's it, it, funny. And it, it, it's all it's, it's fucking true too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, exactly. it's it's all very true. <laughs> like people talk about like that's what makes Bert. Like, I don't mean to interrupt. But that's what makes Bert so exceptional. And he, even he like you yeah. watch his SNL or his like some of his latest stand up and even on his older stand up. A lot of times the audience will not be on board. He's like, oh yeah, well this is like so sensitive and he'll like he'll have dig outs where he's like yeah. gets out of it. He's towing the line. He's walking up the line nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Nonstop. But he's so good at it and, and he's got that reputation. That and and that's where I can like defend it. Mm-hmm. Is I go like d- is any of this that I'm saying untrue? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also I think it's fun to maybe take an idea that might be a little uncomfortable and present to the audience and then relieve that uncomfortableness with laughter exactly, and everything yeah. like that. And it's like, oh, well, now we're laughing at something that maybe we kind of felt a little uneasy about before. But the idea isn't to just like present something uncomfortable and just like, and now fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, like, no, it's going to be relief. Um, but yeah, like the essentially, like if you were to have like the uh, uh, whatever the mission statement of that bit is that, hey, we treat ugly people worse than we treat good-looking people. You know right. what I mean? Like people talk about like white privilege, which is definitely real, or like you know whatever a uh, privilege of you know having money and that stuff. Like I, I literally don't think there's any more privilege than like good-looking people versus like that's like you treat them so much differently than you treat ugly people. And especially I go to the bit, especially women. Yeah. It, yeah, like the way a good-looking woman gets treated just on a day-to-day basis versus an ugly woman gets treated, ugly women get treated way worse. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm just exploring that that is a part of our society that is true, mm-hmm. and then you know it's kind of going into that. You know, which I get. It's uncomfortable. You kind of don't want to hear that, and then people go, "Oh, am I ugly?" You know what I mean? So now, did that come from the beginning, or is the first thing that caught your mind was like? Liz has been doing some wild shit. And then you're like, you start like, how do I make this funny? <laughs> well, I think it was, it was a, I, 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 uh, I think it was originally just kind of like this whole like movement of like people redefining what beautiful is and everything like that. And you're like, this girl's beautiful and he's beautiful. And you're like, no, they're not. What we're the fuck? Them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's not. It's just objectively that they're not fucking beautiful. I don't know what to tell you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they're 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 fine. I like them, but like, beautiful is not the right word to describe them. Right. And everything. And then like, it, I, and then I would just see. And then one of the lines I use there, but it's like all these like ugly, untalented people with Lizzo level confidence and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just fucking gross to me. <laughs> it was just like, I, like, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to see myself and as like a shirtless model for Abercrombie or something like you know what I mean it's just like but don't you wish you had that delusion it's meant (laughs) they're the happiest people on the planet is the people with those delusions it is true they are the happiest (laughs) people on the planet yeah there was a there was a girl uh when I was at Texas State her name was I don't think her her real name wasn't even Shannon but she went by Shannon Gaga and she would go to lip sync and she's this girl probably 450 pounds oh my god and she 
And uh, she would wear a, a unitard everywhere she went, not just when she was doing shows, all day, every day at school. And she would do shows that were packed full where she's just lip singing a concert that's Lady Gaga. And it was hugely popular at, at the time. And people were like, and people I would talk to, like, like, man, don't you feel awful for her? Like, she's just like, people are going to these shows, like laughing at her this whole time. I was like, no, I don't feel bad because she's living a better st- standard of life than I am because she's so delusional that she doesn't get that the lot. She thinks that they're her fans. Yeah. And she's probably gotten better looking, like better women or men or whatever she's into. Like she's been crushing it her entire four years here. I was why I'm here, like uh, complaining about the lack of interest women are getting in me. Like Shannon Gaga is the way to live. But like you said, like, if you can get in that mindset, which is impossible for a logical person. Yeah. So now we're just lying. <laughs> now we're just like lying. We're accepting the. Let's see, okay, we're just all going to lie to each other. The emperor has no clothes, kind of a thing. Like, so that everything loses its yeah. meaning. And then somehow you become the asshole for kind of being like, no, like, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, this is what a gorgeous woman looks like. I don't know what to fucking tell you differently. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. No offense to the people who aren't that, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Like, I don't, you know, I know I'm not Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I would have set the bar a little lower than using Brad Pitt as the example. But yeah, he's just the classic handsome, no, I'm fucking, I'm handsome fucking guy or whatever, but. You're more. What, of how a, do you feel? You're more of like a shorter Rain Wilson. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm going Jesus for. Jesus Christ. I, I always get... Who who who? What celebrities do I get? And the most fl- I, I I I get I'll get Michael Shannon sometimes, which I kind of like. Like uh, he's we were talking about him uh, a couple weeks ago. He's a great yeah. actor. Yeah, um, crazy, but great actor. Yeah, <laughs> he's actually like, super normal in real life. Like if you hear interviews, he like, he shits on like method actors. He's like, no, I just show up and do the do the role, and then I go hang out with my kids or do my normal life. But uh, he's like the most intense level of acting yeah he's underrated in my opinion yeah he's great yeah yeah but uh what how do you feel about this here's another thing that also in kind of same vein that kind of gets irks me a little bit is when people are like oh brad pitt's not handsome like who's, the, who's ever said a that? lot i've had this conversation with a lot of women who are like oh yeah he's not looking like, women say he's not yes handsome? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, is like that, oh, I, they're more of like, oh, I'm more of a, uh, a Jason Statham kind of a guy or, or whoever. Any other example? John it's, Goodman. It, exactly. Yeah. It's somebody, <laughs> he's some, it's somebody who's objectively le- not yes. as good looking as Brad yeah. Pitt. And what I talk to him about, I'm like, look, I get you have your preferences. Everyone's got their preferences. But to be able to look at Brad Pitt and be like, you don't think he's attractive? That annoys me. I'm like, Come on. But there are people out there, at least people that I know that I've ran into, that will say they don't like something just to say that they don't like something. Just to go against the grain. Exactly. Yes. It makes them so There's someone in my family that always does dislike stuff if everybody else likes it. Oh, you like it? Well, I hate it, and then this is better, and objectively, it's a thousand times worse. Why do people live like that? Like, there's people like that. Oh, well, I, this movie was really popular. Oh, well, this other one is way better, and it's like some horrible B movie. Yeah, like Batman vs Superman. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan. <laughs> movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Old Dan Hornstein yeah. has some. It's weird. So Dan is a guy. I get along great with Dan. Oh yeah. I would think, on paper, we have some similar tastes on a lot of things. 
We have wildly different tastes on uh, way Music more thick and movies. Some, for some reason, it keeps surprising me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, Batman vs Superman sucks. <laughs> Never seen it, so I don't. You're not missing out on anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't watch any. I don't watch the superhero stuff or whatever. Yeah, I'm missing out on much. It's been overdone. The Batman trilogy was good. Um, Watchmen was good. Some of the Superman movies, the or no, some of the, the uh, Spider-Man movies. You talking about the Watchmen series? I like the movie too. I did not like the movie. The series I loved. I hated the movie. I like the movie. It's stylistic. You, you know what I've been been watching, binge watching, and uh, loving is. Did y'all ever watch Mike Judge's Showtime show, Tales from the Tour Bus? Uh uh-uh. uh Never even heard of it. Y'all know about the obviously Mike Judge guy. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 King of the Hill. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did this show. There's two seasons. There's a country season and then a funk season. So the country season is like Waylon Jennings, like Billy Joe Schaefer, George Jones, and like funk is like James Brown and Bootsy Collins and George Clinton. And it's just it's tales from the tour bus. So he gets sits down like all different like these band members and people that knew these guys or whatever, and they tell these stories. And then it's animated. And then it oh, has nice. like Mike Judge like commenting on it and everything. Then he'll just give you a little like extra like historical. You know, tidbits and little information, everything. It's on Showtime? It's on Showtime. Someone uploaded them on YouTube. That's how I was watching them. It's like, they're like on YouTube. Good looking out. And, and, um, <laughs> how do I steal this shit? They're all like <laughs> fucking incredible. Uh, what Jerry Lee Lewis's episode is... Isn't he a pedophile? I mean, he married his 13-year-old cousin. <laughs> so the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was, you know, everyone did that back in the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, he, uh, his episode was insane. So he was like, first of all, you realize, watching that show, I realized, oh, there were like no laws back then. You just got to do whatever, <laughs> whatever. the fuck you wanted. And there really weren't any, rep- like all of the episodes at some point, the guy shoots someone. <laughs> like, one, Jerry Lee Lewis got mad at that. He was annoyed by this guy at a party. So he just pulled out his gun and shot him. And the guy was bleeding. And he yelled at him for le- bleeding on his white carpet. <laughs> like He got mad at him for bleeding on his rug. But and then That must it, be nice. Yeah. And at a different party, he was up on all these like amphetamines and everything. Then he'd been like partying for two to three days. And everyone else had gone to sleep, and he was annoyed that people had gone to sleep. So he just got like a Tommy machine gun and just <laughs> shot up the entire place until everyone like woke up again. <laughs> and like, it's just like story after story like that with these fucking guys. <laughs> Adam, you give me a water. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I hate to remove bartender the, um, Adam. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the allure of Adam's apartment. Yeah, the mystery. No, this is nobody's moving this whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds it sounds right up my alley. So I like um, rockumentaries anyway, and then yeah. if you can add an extra little weird flair to it, Mike I Judge wish, is great too. Huh? So have you Mike wa- Judge is great too. Yeah, every, yeah. Everything he's done is phenomenal. Yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't miss. So. Speaking of kind of animating things, that's one thing that I wish more people would do. Because have you ever watched the uh, Ricky Gervais show podcast? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all they're all on YouTube, mm-hmm. but that was on HBO, and that shit adds so much to like the storytelling of like it's even though they're just having a conversation on the podcast, just having a visual aspect of it to where it's not just people sitting there talking is like. Super time consuming, I'm sure, but it just adds so much to it. 
So I'm yeah. definitely gonna check this out. I've always had a fondness. Like I grew up on like animation domination Fox. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We're just like King of the Hill, Simpsons, family like guy. Family Guy. Like that was like that was the lineup. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like I fucking like King of the Hill might be my favorite show of all time. Like it's, it's it, it just I still it's it's one of those shows like. It, might have been the first TV show I ever watched, like as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being like five years old and like mm-hmm. watching it, and like I still watch them today. Like yeah. I re- the rewatchability is crazy on them. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they they're they're just fucking timeless, and like it, it's just like it's a fucking perfect show. I loved Idiocracy. I really loved the idea. The idea was fucking genius and it now more than ever it just gets more relevant every year sadly but it's like the execution was a little bit off and i don't know if that was just luke wilson just being kind of like a milk toast kind of guy but i was like <laughs> i feel like that movie could have been and, and it is very good very funny but that could have been like an all-time classic if yeah, they cast it well, better. like that stu- like the studio, like shelved that movie. Like they essentially didn't even fucking release it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it became a cult classic, like over time. You know, right through like DVDs and stuff like that. But I think in its theatrical release, they released it in like twelve theaters and then just like took it down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. so, it kind of just grew over time. You know, but it's a good still- movie. So definitely worth watching. As I said, very good movie. I think could have been an all time classic. If they cast it differently, Dax Shepard fucking sucks. <laughs> I think that's peak Maya Rudolph hotness. She's for like, sure. She's yeah. fucking smoking in that shit. Mm-hmm. I actually remember the first time I saw that, and I was, "That's Maya Rudolph." Yeah, yeah. She's a hilarious voice actress now. Oh, yeah. She's on Big Mouth. Dear God, hilarious. You know she was married to PTA. Who? Paul, Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson. Anderson? I did not know that, and I never would have guessed that. Yeah, they were married. The uh, what's Paul Thomas Anderson's new, newest movie? He, Phantom Thread. Whatever. I know that was the that's uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I, know was, I don't know if it was Paul Thomas. That that, that story is kind of based on like a time when like Paul Thomas Anderson was sick, and like Maya Rudolph was like taking care of him, and he realized like this is like like this is like the most intimate loving thing is like when someone like take cares mm-hmm. of you or whatever. You Unless know? it's misery. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hobbling you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that guy's... He, he Talk about people who never miss. That dude's movies are like next level good. Yeah, but some of them are just weird as fuck. You ever see Magnolia? No. Yes. That movie is weird as one of the. If you ever play that game, Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon, no. where you had to like tie one actor to another actor through movies, and it's like, oh, this person was in this with so and so. But anyway, if you've never played it, I don't know why I'm describing it to you. You're never gonna play it. <laughs> but um, there's like a ton of actors in Magnolia, like Tom Cruise, John C. Riley, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, uh, William H Macy's in it. It's just like the cast is insane. Yeah, but the movie is super weird, and I guess it, I heard somewhere that it was like loosely based on some biblical stories or something like that. It's kind of like Oh Brother, we're out there, where you never would have known it was about the Odyssey unless they told you it was about the Odyssey. Yeah. Same thing with Magnolia. He, he did another movie, I think, uh, a couple of years ago, kind of similar, uh, where it starred Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, I, I don't remember the name of it, but like. 
me and my cousin watched it in like the, yeah, it was thing. It was like based on like some book or something uh-huh. like that that was like really not a book meant to be adapted into a screenplay yeah. and stuff like that. And it was just like it was the most like bizarre kind of fucking like storyline ever where it felt like every scene was its own individual movie and it Mm-mm. just they just kind of like strung them together and they're like all right i guess that holds up kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't know there are some movies that's an annoyance of mine that over like they i think they outthink themselves like schenectady new york which i like charlie kaufman movies like, like being john malkovich was good Adaptation was great. I love that movie. Uh, but Schenectady, New York was like, like too clever by half. I was just like, like, okay, look, I'm not an art critic. I'm not it's like a some sophisticado uh, uh, by any stretch. But I'm like, I feel like I can pick up on most movie plot lines and stuff like that. And this movie was insanely over my head. Same with the master. Y'all ever see that? That no. might be Paul Thomas Anderson. I think that is PTA. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, that might be. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but it's based. It's based on Scientology. Okay, yeah. But I watched it. Great acting. Movie sucks ass. Like, just because you have good actors does not make a good movie. No. But he's one of my favorite directors. That's why I never really got into like Christopher Nolan movies or whatever. Like I felt like it was like they're always trying to like overthink it and like Tenet certainly. Yeah, and like trying to pull one over the audience mm-hmm. and everything like that. And it's like, hey man, I want to fucking watch a movie. What the hell yes. is this, dude? You know, like yeah, I agree. It's it's like jumping the shark. You just you. I think Family Guy made fun of. Inception for this or South Park, one of the two, like just because it's uh, confusing doesn't make it good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Well, like I, I remember w- watching Inception, and granted, I watched it when I was like sixteen or something. Like that. But I remember just like leaving the theater, going like, hey, "What the fuck was that?" You know what I mean? <laughs> for like, the record, I do like Inception. I was like, <laughs> I was like, was I, I?" was like, "Am I supposed to rewatch it again and pick up?" I was just like, "God damn it!" You know, that's what Dan said about Tenet. Uh, he's like, yeah, if you watch, because he wa- he's watched it twice. And he's like, yeah, if you watch, when you watch it the second time, you, you pick up on all this other stuff. Like, no, how about I just paid $20 <laughs> to see this movie? Let me get it the first time. Yeah. Like, it's one it thing right if you're not paying attention. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I, I, that's my biggest pet peeve ever. It's like, do you got to watch it a second, third, fourth time? It's like, no, they need to make a better movie. Thank you. <laughs> the king of that, the king of that is Donnie Darko. Yeah, <laughs> that is the king of of oh when you watch the second or the third you pick up this that I'm like yeah but the first time I watched it, I was like what the fuck did I just see this makes zero sense to me never saw it even though a lot of people have hyped it up to me I just was like mm, no, no I think it's overrated in the extreme young Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. his sister's in it too Maggie yeah oh, I thought her name was Huckleberry Hound. No, that's awful <laughs> she's a nice lady <laughs> she ruined uh tried to ruin batman yeah who was it was it katie holmes katie holmes was did the that first character one, and then she's of all the actresses on the planet she just looks sad at all times and katie like, holmes no uh, uh, <laughs> maggie, maggie Jones. Jones? yeah, yeah. She where does. it literally makes me feel kind of sad i'm like yeah what is she dealing with <laughs> <laughs> It's true, and it though. took me out. It took me out of the Batman movie a little bit. I was like, man, her character is just 
so so depressed, which you would think that her character was supposed to be like the like a little bit of light in his life. Like, why do you like her? She seems like a miserable person. <laughs> and the Two Face guy was into her too. I'm like, this makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. It did seem kind of strange. It's like, it's like if everyone's going to be fighting over her, it, it, it seems like. It would have got a hotter actress. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> seemed like yeah, billionaire gone. playboy, and like the uh, was it some high powered like yeah, city councilman? City, or yeah, mayor, exactly. Yeah, Not making a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but hey, what do I know? She may be uh, a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, that is that's a valid point. You ever uh, see Monsters Ball? No. Similar problems. Is that the one with Billy Bob Thornton? Great acting. Movie sucked. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, Halle Berry. Um, what's his the guy who played the Joker? Name escapes me Heath right Ledger? now. Heath Ledger. Man, what happened to dude? B- Billy Bob had a run there, dude, where he was just like making a like sling blade. Like in the nineties, dude, he was just like writing. Yeah. Like all these like fucking great movies and shit like that, and then like, and then you're just like, well, Mr. Woodcock, what the fuck? <laughs> like you're just like, it went so quickly into just complete horse shit, you know? Yeah. He tried to do music. Yeah, he started out as a musician. He tried to go back to it. Yeah, he's like, so I watch all these like, you like list videos on YouTube, and he's always on the ones who like ruined their career or or like pissed people off with a, like a certain interview. And there's one specifically where he's like, like on a radio show with the rest of his bandmates. And anytime they talk about anything that's not that band, he like freaks out on him. And like he got like that really soured a lot of people. Like, dude, you're famous not because of your band, you're famous because <laughs> of your movies. It'd be one thing if they were only talking about the movie, but anytime they even touched on it, he like freaked out on him, which he's a known like kind of basket case. Yeah. So he kind of is. Pissed off a lot of people. I liked it when he was married to Angela Jolie, and he always just kind of looked like her uncle. That didn't, <laughs> you know? ske- that didn't skeeve you out at all. Yeah, like when they were on. Didn't she also make out with her brother on the red carpet? Some creepy shit. Married to Brad Pitt now, so I guess it worked out for. Her. They still married. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so, man. They're not. That's a shame. Did did did, did y'all see that? No, no. The, the, now they can't be married. Did, did y'all see that story where like? This dude has like some like an open relationship with his wife, and then his wife started fucking Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> that backfired. Yeah, exactly. And it's like one of the things where she's like twenty four and he's like sixty three, but he's like a millionaire or something like that, you know? And then what he's getting into here. On the side, his girlfriend is fucking Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, how mad could he be? He it is kind of cool. You just like, bro, you're not gonna believe who my wife is fucking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother level of, of it's uh, experience. Bradley now. Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine just calling like, where you at? You're like, I'm at Brad's house. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> oh, Micah. Have you heard that Micah Green bit where he's talking about uh, like being in the polyamorous relationship and he's like oh uh, what are you doing she's like oh you're out fucking again okay <laughs> and it's just like this guy who's destroyed but he's trying to act cool it's a hilarious but don't see micah enough 
I have a yeah, I, I have a couple of polyamory bits because like I've weirdly found myself in those scenarios. Not not I'm not in a polyamorous relationship where like you hook up with someone and I have a bit about it, and then I'm like, yeah, my boyfriend's I, coming over. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck, you know? And then I, I've gotten a couple of weird things after shows where it's like, uh, you know, uh, my husband doesn't mind. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you? No, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> are you crazy? But oh, she's like really, really, really attractive. It, it, yeah, she was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Turned 180. Yeah. <laughs> but I always feel like I'm getting like set up in those situations. Like I, I, would, sure. I, I would need it. Like I would never go to their place. I, I, I just feel like something is happening. You know what I mean? Something bad is happening. Yeah, what, how do you know she's not lying? Someone's hiding in the closet. And then he comes home and snaps. Yeah, I, I had one. This happened to me like in the thick of quarantine. And this happened to me in like the thick of tw- quarantine. And I, I had matched with this girl on Tinder back in like 2018. And we never matched. We never messaged each other. We just like matched, never messaged each other. And then so she messaged me like whatever, June. Actually, it was July 4th. I remember this. It was July 4th. So July 4th of this year, two years after like not met, literally never messaged each other. She messaged me July 4th. She goes, hey, what are you up to? Like, hey, what are you up to? Or something like that. And then I, I just messaged back. I was like, uh, literally just watching Netflix on the couch. And then she goes, do you want to fuck? <laughs> like straight up like that off of Tinder. And again, I don't know this person. Matched with them on Tinder two years ago. Never messed with each other. And I kind of went like, I kind of went, ha Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I feel like in your head that seemed like you were more reluctant than you actually were yeah <laughs> well like you basically just said yes and then she goes alright uh, uh, here's my address uh, like come over or something and then I was like what the fuck <laughs> like that's so weird cause I was like I was like I, I I I that's never happened to me on a dating app before where someone's just like that forthright, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on, fucking. Then I'm oh, like, Grady, it happens all the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't trust it, so I was in a group message with my friends, and I sent them. I just sent him the screenshot. I was like, yo, this feels like a setup. Like, this doesn't feel... What deep-seated right. like, lack of confidence is it that instead of being like, yes, you're like, nah, this can't be happening to me. It's like, this it's is just, bullshit. It's just bizarre for a woman to message a oh, random very. dude. Yeah, out of the and blue. And be like, like, come over and fuck me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's so crazy. So I literally go, hey, uh, you know... It's the middle of lockdown quarantine, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, all right. I was like, fuck, I'm going to go do it. I, so I sent him my location, and, like, I, I sent him the girl's address or whatever, and I'm like, all right, if this, if I don't message y'all back in, like, two hours, <laughs> <laughs> like, come and get me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it sounds like an obscure scenario for you. I guarantee you women have had this text message conversation. Oh yeah. An infinite oh, amount of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but that but that was the other thing, dude. Like, she was pretty hot. 
You know what uh, I mean? Like, I can't imagine she has a lacking of dick. You know what I mean? Gave yourself some credit in this scenario. That's a- it's just bizarre. It's just, I, I've never had that happen before. You know, mm. just a complete stranger to message you that. It's pretty, I don't know. Well, I'm not complete stranger. Y'all did connect at one point. <laughs> two years ago on Tinder. So we clearly did, she we saw something two years ago connect. that she at least liked. And um, so I, I sent my friend's message, and then she was actually, she lived really close to me, like, just like, like right around the corner almost or whatever. And Perfect. then, so I was like, great. Uh, and then I was worried about getting robbed. Like, I thought I was like going to get there and just like immediately get <laughs> robbed. So I didn't bring my wallet. And instead of driving, I rode my bike. I figure if I get robbed, all they can really take me for is my bike now. I like that you did all these precautions, but you're like, I'll still risk my dick on this. Thing. <laughs> I'm still going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and yes, yeah, so I ro- I rode my I pedaled over there and, uh, <laughs> and I, I pedaled over there and I messaged. I was like, I'm here. And she's like, you rode your fucking bike? And I was like, Yeah, I was just you know. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like you're trying to sabotage yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and she really she just, just wants that dick. Yeah, though. she just laughed. She's like, That's funny, I guess. And I was like, Yeah, what? I guess. <laughs> 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 and then so like I walk in and she and she lives in like a really nice place and but but she's like she's 23 and I'm like how the fuck is a 23 year old live here mm-hmm. also I'm I, I was 25 at the time I'm not so sure. people aren't even like, if you're 26 23 it's not a fucking are you kidding me yeah. it's not no I, I I guess I already said my age I, I like yeah. I'm not like Whatever, I'm I'm not fifty trying to go fuck right, like right. a twenty three year old or whatever. No, you're not at a, a college um, garage yeah. party <laughs> sitting on some beanbag chairs or yeah, listening to some lady uh, drum to a stream. Um, Call so back. and I could tell like, and I, I'm expecting like me to just like walk around a corner and get like rolled, yeah, yeah, and everything like that. And so you could tell like. We're both kind of trying to feel each other out. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. are you crazy? Are you crazy? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you like, did show up on a fucking bike. Yeah. <laughs> you put yeah. yourself behind the eight ball a little you bit. Tell, like, we're both kind of like nervous around each other. And then uh, she's like, she's like, you want a glass of wine? And I was like, okay. And then like, so we drink wine and then just like, uh, we're like watching like Netflix or something like that. And then just started making out on the couch. And she's like, all right, let's do it. And we just went upstairs, <laughs> and it was great, you know. What I mean? yeah. It was fun, and then I, I, I uh, um, and then she was like, "She's like, yeah, you can stay here if you want for the night or whatever." And I was like, "All right, great." So we just stayed and like got fucked up, and then uh, uh, fucked again later that night, and then again the next morning, and I just pedaled home. I, I, I later <laughs> found out. I found out the reason why that happened is, is she doesn't live here. Her she was staying with her sister or something like that. Uh-huh. So that's like her sister's place, and her sister and her sister's husband were gone mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But she doesn't live here, so she doesn't really know anyone here. Mm-hmm. And then that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then she was like, "Yeah, I'm horny. I don't fucking know anyone here." So you're it. <laughs> and I was like, "All right." I love. 
So have you turned this into a bit yet? This is like a working No, bit. I, I just, this I just to... left. I was like, well, if you're ever back in town. <laughs> yeah. And I just left. I was like, that's crazy. If you do, I'm sure. You definitely should turn this into a bit for sure. I guess. Because I've it's, never it's, thought about it's, it. It's a yeah. hysterical story. <laughs> but the angle I would go with is just like the lack of... Like the, you're constantly second-guessing yourself. Like, this can't be... This, this has got to be a, a trick. This has got to be a scam. Yet you're still going and doing it the whole time. <laughs> Have you ever gotten laid that easy before? I've never gotten laid that easy before. Not from Tinder. Really? Yeah. No, yeah. Not from a random stranger. Yeah. Unless I've... Unless I guess right. after a show, I've gotten laid easily, but, like, that's a little different. Just completely random off the internet. Plus leading with, like, uh, or within a couple of words, hey, you want to fuck, is extremely aggressive what are you up to i'm watching netflix do you want to fuck it, that is yeah next level uh efficiency which i respect in her uh but that's the thing is like the female side of that story has happened a thousand times oh yeah like it happens daily right they probably deal with yeah. this every single day and so when how do we get gray to be that confident like yeah of course i'm getting this, this person wants to fuck of course. <laughs> You're, I want you to be annoyed that you've gotten a couple sentences in and she hasn't said it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the equality I want in 2021. <laughs> God damn it. I think I have to get uh, famous <laughs> <laughs> for that to become a normal thing or whatever. But That's hysterical. It'd be know. funny if you're like, even like, we e- like, you've even started hooking up and you're still nervous. <laughs> yeah, I was still nervous that I like... Something's gonna happen. Yeah. Like they're no. stealing the spokes off your bike. Or <laughs> no, don't take once, my pegs. Once my dick was inside her, I was like, I think this is real. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they get you. Yeah. I was like, at this point, I'd be shocked if this turns around. <laughs> this turns around on me. That's hysterical. Yeah, that doubt a thousand percent needs to be a joke for yeah. sure. I, uh, yeah, I guess that, that's got to be bit worthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, I need to, so I've been told to, um, I don't have any jokes, I don't think, that are based on real life. Like all my jokes are just made up. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is weird because I talk to people and, like, no, all of my jokes are from some experience exaggerated for sure. Yeah. But all of them are basically have happened to me to a degree. So I have, I've lived a weird life, like, but, for me, I feel like my stories are weird if you know me and you've always known me. But if you don't know me from anyone else, there's you know, going to be normal stories. But there's, there's definitely some craziness to mine there. But I don't know. I have that weird thing. Like, I have too many friends and family that still follow the same Facebook if I get back to them. That I still have enough shame to where I'm like, if this gets back to them, <laughs> this could be bad. Which I need to, you've got to break through that or else that's going to be a problem forever, I would think. Oh, oh about worry about like what your parent or your family yeah. and friends and everything like yeah. that? Yeah. So I start to mining stories that are based on reality. People can kind of, people who know me really well. Figure it out. Can piece that together yeah. pretty quickly, I would think. And then, and then it's like, you did what? Then, See, that's why you need more friends like Juan, because Juan just throws my truth out there of what happens right. in front of everybody, no matter what. Do you ever think about that when telling a joke? Because you don't, I can't think of any jokes you have that are embarrassing. Or do your, does your family watch, like, uh... I mean, I don't think there's any, there's certain things 
that about my family that I don't talk about on stage and I know would be great material. Mm-hmm. Just for the simple fact, I don't want to air my family's dirty laundry out there. Right, right. <laughs> there, there are things that I definitely withhold. Mm-hmm. Um, just for, just yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. <laughs> just gonna not do that, or whatever. But um, I I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's the only thing I I've ever like really kind of ran into that issue, you know. Mm-hmm. But as far as stuff that happens to me and everything like that, like. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. So the only time I've actually gotten in trouble on podcasts, kind of what you're talking about, telling stories, even though I didn't say the name of the person. Like mm-hmm. I gave out too many details, and it got back to him and everything like that. And I've gotten, I've gotten in trouble with that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where I was like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I can see how. I don't think I've ever said anything that could come back. Because I'm always, I'm a pretty supportive person in the comedy, as far as comedy scene goes. And I'm pretty sure none of my relatives listen to this, so I'm safe on that front. But I try to stay so positive uh, comedy. No, I don't try to. I am legitimately like rooting for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of stuff behind the scenes where people are talking shit about this, that, and the other, or have weird... Then it blows my mind that there's so many people who have like axes to grind against people who have... I'm like, what did that person ever do to you? And it's never anything. It's like you just don't like this person for one reason or another, and then it's just like... Like talking about them, like they're they're trash. I'm like Jesus. But one thing that, that irks me the most is when somebody will trash another comedian's material when the trashing is not valid at all. I'm like, oh, that's like, oh, that's a hacky. Da 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 da. I'm like, did you hear the joke? Like, what do you base that on? This is like, I've never heard anything like this. Why are you trashing this person? Because I'm a big believer in rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. So we're all. I mean, obviously, you're competing for stage time. To an extent, yeah, if you're on the same level. If you're not even on the same level as the other person, what's your point of, of trashing them? It's not like they're stealing your stage time. I'm not, and nobody's stealing your stage time. Comedy should be a meritocracy. Is it? No. But it's close enough. Like, you're not seeing anybody who's really, really, really shitty getting a ton of really good stage time or vice versa. There's nobody right. who's really, 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 really good who's not getting any stage time. Right. In a normal year, obviously. Fuck COVID, but so I, I mean, at least locally, especially where there's really no, I mean, there's no industry, there's no like television exactly. on the line or anything like that. It's just, it's just different people running and producing shows and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, like if, if you start killing, you know what I mean? Then like, yeah, you'll, you'll start getting booked. There's literally no reason for people not to book you on a show if you're exactly. doing well or whatever. And then, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of something where, like, I think people get way too caught up in just, like, local-ass shit that doesn't fucking matter or whatever because, like, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's... It, it, and then if you, if you just you just take just one step out and, like, look in on it, you're like, none of this fucking matters, especially, exactly. you know, locally. Can you believe this person got booked on that? And you're like, what the, Dude, they're getting paid in drink tickets. What the yeah, fuck do you care? You know exactly. what I mean? That guy got mozzarella sticks. You know what I mean? Like, I'll buy you some mozzarella sticks if that's the issue. You know what I mean? Like, what are we, what are we bitching about here? You know what I mean? And then like, yeah, it, 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 it's like, it's like th- this whole Houston scene is it's an incubator city. It's just like you just here to fucking get good 
and everything like that. And then if you want to try to become a professional stand-up, then you move. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's what this is that's what this is all about. Right. And then once every like fifteen years you hear like a Matthew Bussard like, yeah, Comedy Central out of here. And then you're like, All right, well good well that's Good for him. That's probably not going to happen for another 15 years. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless you're that one guy, you're probably so not going to get got, on TV. He out got of Houston. that special before even moving? Uh, no, he got on Adam Devine's house party out of Houston or whatever, you know? Uh. And really, he actually got it from going to Austin, is how he got it. But he lived in Houston, you know? Gotcha. So, yeah. So, like, I, I just, that, that, I mean, I get it, though. It's your world. You're consumed by it. So it's, like, very easy to get caught up in, like, fucking bullshit that doesn't matter. Also, I realized, like, it took me a long time to realize this. Like, I literally this year I realized this. I go, like, oh, some people just thrive on confrontation. Yes. (laughs) Some people don't feel like they exist unless they're arguing about something with someone or bitching about something. Like, this is how they feel present in the world is they have to have a conflict going on mm-hmm. and like that's just a personality archetype <laughs> or right, whatever yeah, yeah and then a lot of times you see that and you're like oh this has nothing to do with me you know what mm-hmm. i mean so it's like yeah there, there's that shit too right you know it's unfortunate but it's true so do you see yourself uh trying la or new york how, how long do you have like a game plan or as far as how many more years you want to I like should have moved it? two years ago, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I got to... Uh, well, now Corona fucked everything up to now I'm, I'm, I'm like, wait, is moving to New York the right thing? Is that still the correct thing? Is moving to LA? Everyone has left LA, but maybe moving to LA now that everyone's left is good because like, there's this whole... Ex- like, so like now I'm very confused on what the correct thing to do is. Uh-huh. So uh yeah the plan was to move to new york because right. that's that's where stand-up happens that's where mm. like industry is and everything like that you can start to try to make a career out of it but now i've kind of had to be on pause and be like uh, okay maybe all right let me do i move to austin now not like was this whole fucking rogan thing is that a fucking thing you know but I don't know how much that benefits just local comics. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how much he's scouting the local Austin comedy scene. You know what I mean? So it's right. just like, I, I, now I'm much more confused. That's like what the next step is, you know? Yeah, I remember there was like a chat going on on one of the, like the, the Facebook groups. Like, what's the effect going to be of Joe Rogan? Da, 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 da. Is, is this going to bring more industry? And I am 100% of the opinion that whenever the lingering effects of COVID finally die off, whether it's at the end of summer or another year from now or whenever it is, everything will go back to the way it was like this. Cause I know there's, there's a ton of like, um, business businesses moving for, out of California for tax purposes. Right. They're not moving cause they think California is dead. It's like, no, we want the taxes are out of control. All of entertainment is going to, st- are the, the vast majority of entertainment is going to stay in LA and the vast majority of business in America and comedy in America is going to stay in New York. I look, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball, but like name me one time in history where that's a shift where that's stuck. Like will wrote, and I'll 
that anyone who will take it money that Rogan moves back to LA within five years. He's not, he, or he either that or he quits doing stand up to a large degree and just does his podcast and tours every once in a while. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he's made 500 million on his podcast. Right. He's a podcaster first and second, and then a stand up third. And he has been for a long time because he did the comedy store all the time, but he was he touring a ton. So he has a really comfortable spot in LA and then it got disrupted because COVID. And he's like, well, why am I staying here? I'm about to get a $500 million check. <laughs> yeah. Taxes are really more, way more important to me now than ever. I'm going to go move to Texas for a couple of years. COVID anyway, I might as well just focus on my podcast for a little bit and avoid all his taxes. Cause how long is his contract? Probably about five years for that two hundred million. We'll see where he is after that that contract ends. Yeah, but don't you think he's a he's definitely a podcaster first? Oh yeah, with the amount of content he puts out, definitely. I hope that Austin gets a big bump, and he's definitely going to bring bigger names through the city, if nothing else. Which, if they're in the city, they might as well do shows there. Yeah. So that's a huge positive. I just don't know if that benefits. The, the 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 lower low, like the yeah the, yeah at, I, at all I I don't think he's looking to try I, I think it's gonna be more like he takes over a scene yeah and is now doing stand up at you I don't think it's gonna be yeah like he's gonna fucking, bring he's gonna bring the big names to yeah to the scene not develop the yeah scene. and just bring his uh his little crew of posse yeah. people and everything which like would that. be great because like it's still better than it was so like for example is it I don't know <laughs> I don't know if that's better <laughs> well if he's Cap if City built, closed. I mean, that's a that's not a big, talking about buy, the rumor that he's going to buy that club. There's a rumor. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Like I said, he's he's definitely talked about he's going to start a club in Austin. Yeah. Whether he ends up following through with that or if COVID gets fixed quick, I think he won't. I don't think he'll move back. But um, it's good in the fact that there's going to be opportunities that come up, kind of like with Russell Peters and Jeff Joe, to where he's in town, and I'm sure I, I don't know how that came about. But I would assume, like, hey, who who here in town is, like, really good? Show me some of the, these videos. And there are, I mean, I assume that's how he got it. I have no idea. Jeff it's, Joe? Yeah. No, he had, some, he had a clip go viral on TikTok. And then Russell Peters' brother saw that clip and then showed it to Russell. Well, there you go. But would he have flown him out to a different place? Or he's like, what's hot in Houston? Jeff Joe's in Houston. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like. Maybe there'll be way more sh- opportunities in Austin. If you're in Austin, somebody's like talks to their agent, like who's hot and what's going on. Are there any comics that are blown up on TikTok, YouTube, whatever? Let's put them on the show. So there's going to be more opportunities in that kind of a way. I would think could be maybe, wrong. yeah. But have you you've spent you've done comedy in Austin, right? Yeah. Is it much different than Houston? Yeah, yeah. In what way? Um. Houston, I, I I think the styles of comedy are, the audiences are completely different. You know what I mean? So it, it like develops a bunch of, it develops different styles. Um, Houston comedy, uh, I think the audiences are less forgiving here or whatever. They're a little bit, a little bit more rough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where like the Austin comedies, audiences, it's a bunch of like artistic. You know what I mean? Kind of like hipster type of people. They're kind of like excited to, de- to do a show or mm-hmm. to see a show and everything. And they're like, oh, this is cool that you guys are doing comedy or whatever. Uh, 
Houston kind of has a little bit of a vibe of like, what is this, comedy? Yeah. So you're funny? All right, so you'd be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of has a little bit more of that kind of a vibe, you know what I mean? Where it's kind of like, which means with Houston comedy, you have to like, you have to like really get on top of the audience mm-hmm. quick. You got to hit them with fucking jokes quick. You got to get punchlines. You got to get fucking laughs. And you got to keep them coming because it feels like it, it, it kind of has that energy of like, these, like, like that they'll turn on you at any moment. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, awesome comedy is a little bit different because they have audiences that will listen or right. whatever. They listen. So you could, you can go a while without a punchline, everything like that. But what that creates, so that there's advantages and disadvantages. There's things that are good about it, and things that are bad about it. Like in Houston, yeah, you develop a stronger joke writing sense, I feel like, mm-hmm. with punchlines and punchlines. But sometimes I think you can rely on. Uh, a shock a little mm-hmm. bit too heavily and too much and uh become uh less original like you kind of have the you can't the room that you can much. operate in is much more smaller yeah we're in Austin you can explore and get and really find like your voice and everything like that mm-hmm. and be more unique and stuff like that but the, their joke writing ability is not there or not as strong because it's just you get an audience that doesn't require fucking punchlines so Mm -hmm. frequently or whatever so i think i think that i i think there's something i i i think personally i think more houston comics should do shows in austin i think more austin comics should do shows in houston because i think there's something to be learned from both or whatever sure um I will say doing comedy in Austin is fun as hell because they are kind of so used to like a meandering type of style and everything. Mm-hmm. And you go out there, and you just start fucking hammering yeah. punch on you <laughs> fucking destroy, you know? Yeah. But I think I think there is something to be said about taking time to kind of explore your voice a little bit more and kind of maybe taking more risks mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that it's kind of hard to find an audience, audiences in Houston that will allow you to take some of those risks and get a little bit more weirder and unique or whatever. But then the threat of that in Austin is eventually you become so fucking niche, you know what I mean? You <laughs> only play right. to like a specific type of audience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where like, that is one good thing about Houston. Like if you can kill consistently in Houston, like, like, uh, you, you know, you, you kill at Ruds and you you kill at Secret Group and you kill at Avant and you go, whatever, kill at uh, whatever. All these different rooms that we have and everything like that. If you're consistent at all of those rooms, you're gonna be consistent just about any room you go. Like I've never had a tough time crossing over into other cities and stuff like that. And I don't think most of the, I mean, Trey, Victor, Zod, Will, you know, Radu, like, I, it, it, the, that, the style that Houston Comedy produces does translate mm-hmm. very well to other cities and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, a lot of the, and, I, and for, for a while, I actually thought Austin Comics suck because I'd watch them come here and just, like, eat absolute dog shit mm-hmm. or whatever but then 
I, I saw some of the better ones come over and, and they they can translate very well and everything. Um but it's I don't know, it, it is different. It is right. definitely different. Yeah, I've talked to Pino Will. I so that's one of the things that I talked to him about um was like it, with Memphis, he's like it's very, very different. Like you definitely have way more space to space to breathe. And it's, they're not expecting joke, 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 joke as where they are here. And you get kind of very similar sentiments, like pluses and minuses. I think that it was really cool when y'all did that, like that kind of like that highwayman thing. Yeah, that might be a way for y'all to all break, kind of like make your own time to where you like, get a tour going, tours hit up a bunch of shows, and I don't know how that would work. I think that I would imagine a venue would be more likely to put on a show if they know that they have got a killer. It's no matter what the lineup's going to be, it's going to be killer. Host, yeah. opener, feature. The plan is to do like a full, like we want to do a lot more dates. We're supposed to do more dates with that, but they all got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we just ended up getting to do like three different dates, but we still did them just because we're like, fuck it, we're still going to go do it. But yeah, we, we want to put that back together and do like uh, a full thing. It's just, it, it, it's difficult because obviously none of us have like managers or agents. So you got to fucking self book the whole goddamn thing, mm-hmm. which means you got to like, contact different people in these cities and be like, all right, where's the venue that we can play at? Then you got to have like someone vouch for you and everything. You know what I mean? Because like, well, negotiate like who the hell are you? You know what I mean? And then like, then you got to book it in a way where it makes sense. You know, you can't be playing. Yeah. All right, we're doing Miami on yeah. Wednesday and then Seattle on Thursday. Like, holy shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So like you got to, you got to find venues and days where it fucking makes sense, you know? And it, it it's it's surprisingly a lot more work than you would think to try to like string together something like that, but I think it's worth it and it's fucking fun. And the shows that we did do, I mean, were killer. And that not, I mean, they were lightly attended. You know, we you know they would. I think one show we had like twenty five. One show we had maybe like forty. Another show we had like twenty five or something like that. We have a different definition of lightly attended. I was like, what, four or five people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll just mean like you know, obviously at Midtown we'll, Bar and Grill. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's lightly attended. We're not like selling out venues, you know. Yeah. What I mean, none of us are known people or whatever. But like, I felt like all the audiences that we did get were like super impressed. You know mm. what I mean? Like people left going like, whoa, that was a fucking great show. You know what I mean? So how do you build that kind of? Because you talk about Jeff Jug that TikTok. I know Jesse uh, Donya had that TikTok thing that blew up. Yeah, like I, it's gonna be weird if that's gonna be like the new thing that's gonna have to break you is like some social media. But have y'all thought about doing like some kind of like I'm not skit necessarily, but like stuff with all four of y'all or uh, and to where this is something that y'all can put online, can build some kind of that brand, or is it like nah, it's too soon to be having like a group to where we're gonna try and like. Trey was recording like a lot the whole time, just like in the car. And then, like, during the day, we were going out and like doing shit and stuff like that. Then, like, recorded the shows. And the idea was like pieced together a little bit, like like a mini documentary type of thing, you know? That's what what I was thinking. Like, you get some art student in Austin that's like got a summer off or whatever that follows y'all. Y'all get an RV, y'all go around to a couple of areas, they film the whole thing. Yeah. And then, like you said, like, kind of that art. Do you ever see that? There's a. Documentary. It's got Zach Galifianakis, um, the comedians Brian Posehn. of comedy tour. Yeah. yeah, like that, but with some some people who are going to break into the scene, kind of see what it's like for 
legit like yeah uh people breaking no, in yeah, yeah, that'd yeah, be yeah, fun we, we were definitely talking about that because we're like that. i think there's a lot of like interesting things and then like i mean the best part is i mean the our stand-up clips would just be like a little part of it because the best part is really us like going on the day and like you know like we went out to the park and like you know some jehovah's witnesses came up to us and trying to sell us you're like that's fucking that's gold you know yeah. And we were going out, like, in Memphis. We went to, like, Sun Records and shit like that. So we're just, like, always kind of just walking around, you know, just, like, getting into different weird shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Plus, then, I feel like that'd be a great way to market yourselves on Facebook yeah. or on YouTube yeah. or TikTok or whatever. Yeah, because I'm, like, I'm kind of having a tough time of, like, how I want to transition into, like, this new era of comedy, like, where it is so... That the, the, there's a lot of um uh the there's a lot of emphasis on like online presence and whether that be like Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or TikTok Facebook whatever it is and like all this stuff which is like all, I'm really all I've been focused on is getting really good at stand up like that's what I've been focused on is like getting a qual- becoming a quality stand up comedian mm-hmm. you know that can like murder. And everything, uh, which is you know, it's like focusing on like being a blacksmith. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, like this is like it's like an outdated thing. So it's like, and I don't like the new model of it being like, oh, just shove out a whole bunch of content everywhere, and it doesn't matter whether it's good or not, or you know, quality. Just that it's a lot of it is you know mm-hmm. all that's important or whatever. And then like, I I, I hate that. I'm like, too. I yeah. only want to put out really good shit, but it takes a while to make some really good fucking shit. You know what right. I mean? And I don't know. Like everyone talks about like the Andrew Schultz method is like, oh, that's the new thing to do or whatever. But I don't like the idea. He was of, a super funny comic first though, right? He he was, you know, but like, I just don't like the idea of, because what he's doing is, uh, you know what I mean? He's putting out a bunch of like crowd interaction stuff and kind of like his lesser material, but just like putting out a whole lot of it mm-hmm. and everything like that, just increasing the chances that one of these is going to go viral. And then there's like all, all these other ones that you can look at and everything like that, which I don't know. And then, you know, you do the, cl- the clickbaity, you know, comedian flames yeah. audience member in a wheelchair. You know, you yeah. do that shit or whatever, which is, you know, I don't know. It, it, that's not what I'm trying to do. Right. <laughs> you it's know what I mean? It seems so like shoved down your throat. Like that's the only way to do it now. Which I think it's like back in the day, if you were to take like, somebody who's like a script writer and like, all right, I want to write scripts. Yeah. Like, oh, but you got to do commercials first. And you have to do commercials for stuff that you don't care about. And I need it tomorrow. And it's kind of like, eh, or, yeah, but that's just. Hopefully that's not the way it's going to keep being. I don't understand yeah. why it is the way it is. I think it's and these venues think that that's bankable when I don't know if it really is. Do you think, I mean, Andy Schultz, obviously it worked, but do you think that somebody having a big social media presence is a guarantee that you're going to put butts in seats? Maybe it is. I don't know. Because like improvs. I think it depends on like their YouTubers. relationship with their audience and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time, yeah, it does translate to butts in seats. Um, uh, I also people forget about Schultz. I'm like, dude, he had a he has a podcast with Charlemagne the God. Yeah, Charlemagne <laughs> the God is like the most famous radio. Maybe Howard Stern is still more famous, but amongst young people, 
Charlemagne the God is the most famous radio personality in America, and he has a podcast with him. Like, that's that's better yeah. than a show on CBS. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's more impactful and everything. That not that Andrew Schultz doesn't work hard, and he did make all those stand up clips and put them online, and like had success with them. But I'm like, he already had a huge audience pulled mm-hmm. from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I think kind of gets overlooked a lot of the time, for sure. Yeah, but. I don't know. I, I I might have like an old way of like thinking or something like that, but like, I think you still do it the old school way. It, it, it's just gonna be a. It's just maybe like you have to know somebody. I feel like, and that way I don't, I don't have a good manager. I, I kind of miss scarcity a little <laughs> bit, you know. Uh, I I I like the idea. I mean, I now I'm getting to the point where like I think I should put out more stand up stuff just because I only. Only clip I have out on YouTube is the ten minute set from the funniest in Texas finals or whatever, which uh-huh. that's like, whatever that's that's from twenty seventeen. You know, it's mm-hmm. over three years old now, and like I don't know that, that set. I don't stand by that set. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I look at that set. Not that I'm embarrassed by it, but I go like, yeah, that that's what I was when I was a year and a half in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think I'm a lot better than that now. Um, do you think anybody's going to not book you because of a, a set they see on YouTube, though? Do you think they'd be like, oh, this guy doesn't get it? I don't. Um, I think it could. I'm I, saying, I, what I'm I, saying I is that I think it could only open set, doors. If the set was like atrocious or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I think. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I've been pitching around a different idea because now. I've got like a good chunk of material, but like no one's asking me to do a special. I'm not gonna get a Netflix special yeah. anytime soon or whatever. It's I'm, not burned till it's on a special, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. But now it's getting to the point where it's like, as I write new material, I'm like forgetting certain bits and stuff like that. It's like hard to like keep all in my head. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about maybe like, I mean, of just maybe like booking myself to headline a room packing it out as much as I can and just doing like an hour, whatever, an hour, 15 minute long set, you know, just have someone do 10 minutes to open up for me. Uh-huh. Then just me go out there and do like all of my material. That's not that 10 minute YouTube video. Right. You know what I mean? And then just, I wouldn't release it as one hour long thing just cause I don't, I don't know how many people want to watch an hour-long set from an unknown comedian. I just don't think people consume media that way. I don't even consume good comedians that way uh, very yeah. often. Like I was saying, like I used to be able to watch tons and tons and tons tons of stand-up um, just because I really enjoyed it. Now, I, I think legitimately my attention span has shrank significantly. Oh, mine for sure. Because I was watching um, first time ever. What's this guy's name? Tall, skinny, real deep voice, Sam Morrell. Right. And, and for the first time, I was like, holy shit, this guy's hilarious. It was like this one that's at Gotham. And I featured for him right before he recorded that. So I saw that set like as tuned up as it co- possibly could be. That's awesome. Or whatever. Yeah, and it was tremendous. I was like, God damn, this is really good. He's the funniest guy I've seen that I had no idea who he was until somebody like mentioned him. And I went and looked him up. And shame on me for not knowing who he was. But like... Holy shit, I was like laughing my yeah. ass off. But even during that set, uh, I remember about 30 minutes in, like kind of looking at my phone, like, all right, do I want to finish this now or do I want to go yeah. fucking chat with some 
buddies on Facebook. And then I was like, oh God, that's, I've, my attention span has been fucked. Especially if you're watching it on YouTube, which I was. Yeah. YouTube is tailor made for like 10 minute, 10, 15 minute max, I would think. Yeah. Not to mention, why wouldn't you want the multiple clips? You have multiple different 15 minute clips. You get multiple different clicks. And then they're, they're watching over and over I, I, and over again. I think again. that's what I'm thinking about doing. I think that's probably what I'll do is book myself to headline a room, pack it out, just do a full hour, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. And then just With a record good that. Yeah. Just chop it up into like each individual bit and just kind of like slowly put them up on YouTube. Not with the hopes, I don't think any of them are going to go viral. I, I don't think that, but it's just like, I just want a recorded evidence right. of my work and everything like that. And then if someone does want to go look me up and go like, oh, da, da, da. now I have, you know, however much that would be, you know, 15 different clips, you know what mm. I mean? They all add up to an hour or whatever, right. like 15 different little YouTube videos. With continuity too. Yeah, yeah. of all this different material that I've done and everything like that. It and also kind of implies like, oh, this guy's a headliner. Yeah. He's got, it's not like it's him in a different shirt every time. Yeah. He's got this was obviously a full hour and 15 minutes uh, continuous. Yeah. And uh, j- j- just because I because I thought about that, I only had that 10 minute clip and I don't even really I rarely do any of that material anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go, I've gotten so much better, but I've, I've like no evidence of my work over the past whatever three years, right? Of like an essentially like an hour's worth of material that I've built up that's like solid, you know what I mean? That like kills, you know. Right. And so it would just be nice to just have it up there or whatever, because like, no, no, what? No one's gonna give me a special, you know what I mean? And later on, it's like, because I think about it, I was like, oh, well, then you burn your material. I go like, well, I'm, no. I'm gonna write more material. I'm gonna write. More not to mat- mention what you put on YouTube is not burning material, yeah. in my opinion. I don't know. There may be different schools of thought. Yeah. And, and I'm already like forgetting material. Like there's already there's probably a good 20, 30 minutes of material that was decent that I've just fucking forgotten over the time. Like just I yeah. never recorded it and now that material is just it is gone. You it's know what deep I mean? in the notebook where you never look anymore because exactly. you're wanting to try and, new and, stuff. And I don't remember it. Like I remember like someone like re- reminding me of like a bit I used to do. And I go like, oh yeah, I used to kill. I don't remember how it goes. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't want to lose any more material that right. way. You know what I mean? So it's like, I kind of want to just like, the black box would have been the perfect place to do it, but now I don't know. I don't know exactly what room shop now. I want to do it in. Um, I love a black box. That's such a shame. That, I mean, it may, I mean, what other choice did they have? But it's a shame because that, that room was so cool for comedy, yeah. especially when they changed the layout, which I was skeptical when they changed. I was like, that doesn't sound like it's going to be better. Yeah. It's way better. I was wrong. But yeah, it's a really cool room for for comedy. So I might, I don't know. How do you feel about? And I've noticed this recently because I know somebody somebody who does like does it. How do you feel about people who have their clips on YouTube with the audio uh, enhanced? Like that is a little bit cheating. I didn't know you would you, like enhance the laughs. Is that is that what the, I don't even know you could do that. Yep, and I've noticed it in like other comics because you you kind of get an ear for it and i was watching some other big name comics on youtube i was like no nah, that's bullshit i was like that's 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 not the same like this is and you can tell because the whole audio kind of shifts a little bit but i feel like that's kind of cheating yeah. but i understand it i understand why people do it yeah 
seems kind of unfair. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. do that. Because <laughs> also, when I'm watching a video, I don't think how much the crowd is reacting. It's a like, big help. part of it. I see. I, I, I don't. That's think why it, sitcoms have laugh tracks. I don't. I don't think it helps. Like it doesn't make me enjoy this the set anymore of like how big the crowd reaction is or whatever. But what I I would I, so logically that's I would agree that's what I would think. But have you ever heard a joke and it happens to me all like a, a lot where somebody tells a joke I really like that joke yeah. for whatever reason that audience did not like that joke yeah and if so I'll be the one I'll be laughing by myself I'm like all right well sorry like, yeah I'm yeah. cackling in the back by myself but like when you're watching a video. Somebody tells a good joke and you want to laugh and there's nobody else laughing. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's a weird feeling. It's it not something feeling. that I'm concerned. I'm like, yeah, it's if, I, if I pack out a room, I was like, I'm pretty confident I'll kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I don't, I'd be like, I'd, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> and I, but I already, I got someone that's a good videographer that's a fan of me that said he would record me for free or oh, whatever. Nice. So, which is a huge advantage, you know? For sure. Um, I, and then I, I guess the only thing would be like pack it out with people that like my comedy and then like uh, I have to I would really want to get it in whatever that one or two shows or something like that because then it's like oh fuck you know what I mean you know like yeah. you gotta get one of those because I can't ask them to come back and like watch the whole new set you know what I mean like <laughs> right. it's like oh I gotta get it good you know for sure so do you have any shows coming up that you wanna so this is gonna come out Monday. this this Monday Sunday, sorry. Sunday. Do you have any shows yeah. coming up? Twenty six year old is grinning like a me. I'm thirty nine. <laughs> <laughs> he bends over. <laughs> it's been a long it's all been a hard twenty six years. <laughs> oh, oh, I uh no, I, I did that. I literally I I, I fell down some stairs. <laughs> I fell down some stairs and like right on my back and everything. Ow. So my, my back hurt. I got my elbows are fucked up. So that's why I'm like grunting and moving bad and everything. <laughs> it's because of that. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what is this? J- January 21st? That, that Does that work? Uh, yeah, you should. Yeah. Thursday. January twenty first. Yeah, I, um, I'm co-headliner show with Nick Palermo at uh, Crazy Frog Saloon. Oh. Uh, is that John John doing? Yeah, that? yeah. And that is a that is a nine p.m. show, January thirty first at Crazy Frog <laughs> Saloon. I think that's on the northeast side yeah, of town. Yeah, it's off of two forty nine. So I'm doing that, and then um. Yeah. I mean, way in the future, um, I'm doing a... Actually, I don't have a venue yet for that show. <laughs> so, and then... Uh, hold on, I got one more. This is uh, January 21st. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing a show out in Galveston. Oh, at, is that Los Comedy Compadres? Is it like the Yacht Club or something like that? That is... Uh, or is that the um, Grace's room? Uh, it's at January twenty seventh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did I say twenty first earlier? Yeah. Okay, it's at January twenty seventh 
And his Bayou. memory is as bad as mine. <laughs> <laughs> he looked Bayou. down at his phone. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Bayou, uh, <laughs> Bayou Cantina in Galveston. Yeah, that's is Grace. Is that Grace's room? I think she did some stuff there before. Maybe I'm crazy. It was Patrick Eady that reached out to me. Oh, nice. So I'm doing that, and then um, Valentine's Day. I guess I'm going to be on a show with Rich Williams, but I don't have. Any of the information on that yet? What day is that again? Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, do you have a? Do you, are you active on social media? Uh, as we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, I am. I mean, yeah, I got Twitter, Instagram at Pruitt Grady. Uh, yeah, I, I post on both of those pretty frequently. So it's the same on both. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, any closing thoughts before before we wrap things up? If you see him on Tinder, he's down to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no questions asked. Yeah. Literally, no questions. Just don't be alarmed if he arrives sweaty after <laughs> pedaling a bike. If you have any ideas for his uh, online uh, presence, hit him up. Mm-hmm. And go to his show whenever he does book it. He's very, very funny. <laughs> Can't endorse him enough, like I said yes. in the beginning. In my opinion, definitely top five comedians in Houston. Hysterical, deserved his funniest in Texas win, 2017. Um, and I hope, wish nothing but for success. And if you ever see a show called Highwaymen, go see that show. It's literally some of the funniest comics in Houston all on the same show. So check it out. Anything else, Mark? No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> staring off in the distance. Oh, uh, we're not landing this plane <laughs> no, well. We're not. Uh, Thank you, Grady. Very much <laughs> Thank for coming you for on. Me. All right. <laughs> you guys have a good week. See y'all later. Bye. Instagram bio is live, laugh, love. So thanks a lot. You guys are fantastic.